Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar bloodhunter. Lyra Olsen plays Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter and warlock. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer. Erica Flavlin plays V. Sherzo, an elf sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a dragonborn rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a triton monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a changeling cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a reborn goliath ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include romance, kissing, references to sexual entanglements, trauma, grief, descriptions of food, and surgery. Arc 4 Interlude You're the only warm thing for miles. From I'm Going Back to Minnesota Where Sadness Makes Sense by Dennis Smith. There is a cottage in northern Talmud, perched on the edge of the Euclid chasm. Its walls are made from wood and stone, its shingles carved from glazed ceramic. Chickens huddle in a nearby pen, scritching the dirt for worms. Training dummies stand vigil over a tract of tilled earth. Under the shade of a large, handsome barn, a small bloat of hippos sloshes around in a puddle of mud. And above it all, above the curling eaves of this cottage, above the coiling strands of smoke gushing from the chimney, we see a slate-gray sky. Evening begins to fold her tenebrous hand over the horizon. Starless dark looms on the threshold like an unwelcome guest. The ground is hard with midwinter frost, little crystals rhyming on the bare branches of fruit trees. We push in now, in on a foggy window of the cottage, to see a kitchen. A quaint little kitchen, all hexagonal tile and hanging bundles of herbs currently bustling with life. Cooking utensils move of their own accord, swathed in a faint, glowing blue light. A knife dices onions. A spoon stirs a simmering pot of stew. An oven mitt places honey-glazed turnips into a stove. We smell roasting meat, bubbling spices, crackling fat. And in the midst of all this organized chaos, we see Dr. Hitsagaten Aluso. The most beautiful and handsome person you've ever laid eyes on. They're a brown-skinned human with a mop of messy blonde hair shaved on the sides, wearing a grease-stained lab coat. 
His inquisitive blue eyes are currently furrowed in deep concentration behind their glasses. She's studying a recipe scroll. Uh, let's do one and a half, uh, no, two tablespoons of butter for the bisque, please. Oh, and don't forget to de-vein the cave fisher tail. Uh, a knife waggles annoyedly in response in midair and then slams down to cleave the pale tail uh, of a monster part on top of a cutting board. And still studying the scroll, Dr. Aluso effortlessly steps to the side as a floating cluster of washed, peeled, and cut potatoes happily plop themselves into a bubbling stew. Uh, and he glances up from his recipe just in time to see something beyond the steamed up, sweating window. Their eyes light up, and a smile spreads across their face. Uh, uh, they're here! Uh, everyone? Hey, uh, they're here! And now... We cut back outside, back into the chill of midwinter. We push past the shivering chickens, past the muddied hippos, past the fallow vegetable beds, past the wooden archway and its low rock fence, and into a copse of hardy cottonwood and juniper trees, where five paragons are currently making their way toward Dr. Aluso's cabin. We focus in now on one of them, Rev. A tall, imposing, muscular drow woman, once dead, reanimated by vengeance, dressed in studded leather armor, a cape of tar black feathers, washing down her broad back. She's driving two spotted sangha cows draped in woven blankets and pulling a covered wagon along. And Rev is calling ahead. Oka! Hey! Oka! Great eight. And now we cut to Oka. So, Oka, why don't you tell us, what do you look like and what are you doing? I am so intimidated to go first all of a sudden. I think we start with the thundering of hooves as Oka rides their elk full tilt in kind of a zigzag uh, as they're charging forward and their weight shifts on top of the elk kind of effortlessly, like they know exactly where its muscles are. And they could hear its heartbeat kind of thrumming along in their own. And they are dressed in traveling clothes right now. They have on this kind of like black, simple armor with a long black cape shrugged over their scarred arms. They have a slate gray skin, look to be a half drow, save for the blue double pupiled eyes and the series of many, many jagged scars, the most notable of which is a long scar that bisects their lip, which is currently cracked open wide in this triumphant smile, I think, as they lift themselves up like out of the stirrup, grab onto one of their elk's horns and catapult themselves like forward and off and as they do they reach behind their back to grab dream hunter the emperor's sword this beautiful jade hilted scaled long sword that they bring out in one swift motion and plunge into the head of the fucking chicken boy that they found in the forest near dr aluso's house uh, and just kind of land on it the chicken boy lets out a horrifying death death keel. Uh, and there's like kind of like a wet sticking noise as Dream Hunter cleaves through its fleshy pallid body uh, and like blood splashes across the leaves of the juniper trees nearby and you completely just eviscerate this sad little empty monster. Yep, and then because they are just an absolute nightmare. I, I think the elk kind of like runs a little bit and then turns uh, and comes back to them. 
they reach their hand right into the monster. They know where these soul bags are at this point, and they just like pull this one out and they kind of wave it at Rev, who's driving the wagon. Yeah, Rev pulls the Sangha cows up next to you. <sighs> she like pulls them to a halt and like holds out a hand uh, and rippling into existence is the scythe, the silver hand, this black handled scythe with a silver blade, grim, that she just kind of with irritation drawn across her face, wipes across in front of you and just harvests the souls uh, inside the soul bag. What do you look so grouchy about? Isn't this our whole job? Yes, but this is the equivalent of, I don't know, Dewey, what's a good metaphor here? When we're chasing after chickens, when we need to focus on a forest or is that how it goes? Why, I'm not the one to ask about figurative language. Yeah, we pan over to like this, the canvas flap uh, of this covered wagon to see Dewey poking your head out and talking. Uh, so Dewey, why don't you tell us what do you look like and what are you doing in this moment? Dewey is wearing like a little knitted hat. He's wearing a puffy jacket that makes him like twice as wide as he usually is because he's not good with the cold. It's been a long journey and he's just sort of like set up camp inside the wagon and he's just packing everything up and he pokes his head on. He's like, were you holding on to that just so you could kill it in front of Dr. Eluso's house? Oka blushes. No, no, I wasn't. No, I, I like to chase it down. It's more fun that way. <clears throat> uh, and they quickly remount their elk. Yeah, your elk snorts and I think stomps on like the still twitching body of the chicken boy and there some gore puffs up. Uh, and I think maybe like we push past Dewey to see V. So V, why don't you tell us what do you look like and what are you doing? So at the back of the wagon is one V Nox Scherzo, uh, elf woman with sort of alabaster skin, but her hair is a wild mess of purples and green streaks in her white hair. On the frame of her face are green scales, and she's got one green eye and one purple eye. And if you look close enough, you can still see threads in her skin from a few weeks ago where Scott and Nectus literally stitched her back together as she was disintegrating in the nothing plane. And uh, she's wearing her Paragon clothes. That's kind of just her chill moments. Green shirt, brown pants with some body armor over it with like spikes that almost resemble dragon teeth coming out of the shoulder pads. And she is looking out of the back of the wagon and she's, she's being a little bit emo. She is literally staring at the skyline being like, if you could hear inside of her head, it's like, I remember what sun, sunsets looked like. I... I miss sunsets. I won't get to see a sunset before I die. And she just like lets out a big sigh every like five minutes, almost reminiscent of arc one where she was sighing out of boredom, but now it's sighing every five seconds because of, you know, confronting her horrible, horrible fate as Paragon. (laughs) Emo V confirmed. And she's surrounded by some boxes of some things that she is bringing for said meal. I like that. Yeah, I think uh, Rev starts driving the uh, the oxen alongside Oka's elk, uh, but actually turns to the side where we see Manaya uh, sitting next to Rev. Uh, and Rev says, uh, do you mind holding this for a second? I just need to sort of jerks her head toward the ever sighing <laughs> grief struck V. Manaya just sort of nods understandingly as Rev hands the reins off. And Rev's just going to sort of shimmy along, I think, the, the canvas flap before, wait a minute. Realizing she can teleport and disappears in like a a whirl of black feathers and reappears on the the back of the wagon next to you, V. 
Hey, uh, almost back at Dr. O's. Oh, yeah, that, um, this will be nice. It's been so long since we've been here. Uh, <sighs> yeah, no, this is, this is great. I'm looking forward to this. Rev silently puts an arm around your shoulder and pulls you close, right? Like pulling the cape of, of feathers around you as well uh, with a flutter of warmth. And I think like we just sort of hear the clopping of hooves over, I think, like twigs and packed hardened winter earth as Oka's elk with Oka astride it. A dream hunter, I think, never gets dirty. So even when you cleave this like chicken boy, like the blood just sort of sloughs off the blade as you sheath it, I assume, back on the scabbard perched on your shoulder. And we just sort of like pull out as we see like the paragons approach this archway at the edge of Dr. Luso's property uh, of their homestead. And as the elk sort of ducks its antlers to get underneath the archway and the cow sort of like across the threshold, we like push back into the hustle and bustle and warmth of the cottage to find Jaron. Jaron, I think Dr. Luso's voice has reverberated throughout the cottage, uh, proclaiming that they're here. They finally arrived. What do you look like and where do we find you? So I think that Jaron actually doesn't really hear what Dr. Aluso has said. What Jaron has been doing lately is just burying himself in books, like books, research, all of that. And that's all his mind has been on for pretty much ever since he's gotten here to Dr. Aluso's. He did dress up a little bit, knowing that the Paragons were coming, so he's wearing this like black collared shirt that's like unbuttoned a little on the top with these like nice like loose pants. And he walks into the kitchen with this book in his hand. And Doctor O, have you read this one yet? They're like conducting the kitchen, right? There's like a, a half a dozen, a dozen different implements and utensils and like food moving around. Oh, careful! Uh, and they gesture for you to duck. Jaron like ducks immediately. Make a deck save. Why? Why you gotta make me do this? Okay, let's see. I got a 22. A flock of little paring knives like shoot over your head. You like easily dodge them, right? As they like begin to like go over to a bunch of like carrots and start chopping them up, like mincing up the carrots. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, which book is that? Uh, it says something about the Paragon War, like the first one. Oh, the Paragon War, yes, of course, during the Gambit of Queens. I'm sorry, Jaron. like I told you for the past eight days or so, uh, the books that you're reading now are the books I've already poured over for hours and hours. There's no new information I'm afraid I can give you. No, but there's a passage here that you haven't marked up. You've marked up pretty much every corner of this book, and there's a passage here specifically that doesn't have anything. Are you sure you read this? It says something about, I don't... Let me see, let me see. And Dr. Luso okay. gestures for you to bring the book over. They flip to the pa- the aforementioned passage and they pause and they say, Oh, yes, this passage. I didn't mark it up because it seems to only really recount the romantic exploits of Shuhai Miao, so I didn't think it was relevant. It could be important. You never know. That could be the key that we need in order to understand what happened. I don't know There's if so Shuhai Miao's... There are so many gaps in the timeline of the first Paragon War, and what if, what if this romantic relationship between Shu Hai Miao and their partner is important? I know you're a, um, romantic, Jaron. Uh, just based on my observations of, you know, and what Mercy said to me, just, sorry, this isn't a value judgment. I'm just saying, I do believe in the value of romance and love. I do. I think, you know, that's what makes us people, but I doubt that 
love story is going to shed new information uh, on our current campaign to save the world that we don't already have access to. They sort of snap the book closed and gesture to hand it back to you. Jaron kind of like takes it a little sharply. Dr. Aluso, any information we can get might be important. That's all I'm saying. I understand. I understand. I, After dinner, maybe I'll look over the passage again with you. How about that? Okay. Sorry, what was it that you said earlier? They're here. They're Who's coming. Here? Uh, Oka what? and Adron, Manaya like, and- runs to the window. <laughs> yeah, Adron, as you like book it to the kitchen window, uh, I think like we push past you uh, to find Gentle. Uh, gentle, why don't you tell us what you look like, where, where you're at? Um, yeah, so very much Triton, nice and blue, got the green hair going. I actually don't bundle up extra in winter because I don't really get cold like that. I just have like a little bit of fur lining on like my cloak, but still dressed pretty light, wearing a lot of baggy clothes. I'm probably just helping Dr. O get some of the cooking. I've been kind of nervous watching all it flying around. Do you need like someone to season or like prep, prep cook at all? Gentle, there you are. <laughs> and Dr. Lisa turns as Jaron rushes past them. What you've been doing has been extremely helpful, uh, though I should probably put the knives and some of the utensils down and, and greet our friends who are coming back for now. Oh, oh, uh, I, I mean, do you I, do you want to say I can help prep the food? I can stay in here and prep. I'm a little, a little nervous. Uh, no, no, I've, I've got the situation handled. Uh, they say as like another knife like flies right past their ear and I think like lodges back into a chopping block and like chops off a little bit of their hair. Okay, if you need any help, uh, just call me. I can run in here pretty quickly and just start picking knives out of the air, I guess. It was fun helping cook. Uh, thank you for your hospitality. Um, I'll go say hi to everyone. And, like, I start backing up. Just most, and, like, already getting incredibly, like, nervous. And I think Dr. Olusa calls after you. Oh, gentle, actually something that would be helpful is if you could set the table. That would actually be immensely helpful. Okay. Um, like, do we have a set seating thing or do you want me to- Oh, no, uh, you can just decide. I made those little placards for everyone's names, so you can just put them wherever you think is good. Okay, okay, okay. Um, uh, I can do that. Um, uh, bye. (laughs) Gentle, you awkwardly- You, like, nervously back out of the kitchen. I think we push past you, like, sort of creeping out of the threshold to find Sitlali. Sitlali, what do you look like and where are you during this? I think Sitlali is probably in the bedroom that they have definitely been sharing with Mercy. I think they're still comfortable in their short face, so they're about 5'2". She has, like, this long, flowing, like, multicolor pastel hair with pink eyes and typically a black lip because a bitch loves aesthetic. (laughs) And these, like, thigh-high black boots with, like, gold accents to it to match their nice black and gold scale mail that they have on. And they have a cane now, and they have the lightning scars from the Vanash incident TM have faded slightly, but they're still, like, angry and very present. Sitlali is just kind of sitting on the bed and staring, and hears Dr. Luso and just goes, Fuck. Fuck. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see her again. I don't know. What do I say? What do I do? What, what do you say when you do that to someone? I don't. Hey, hey, hey. And Mercy... Your girlfriend uh, sort of like gets up like next to you uh, on the bed and like scoots closer to you. 
And I think the only actual, if this is okay with you, the only bed in the cottage is in Dr. Luso's private room that they very awkwardly offered to you and Mercy. You know, they're just sleeping sort of in the barn with the rest of the hounds, I think. Uh, so you're in like Dr. Luso's private bedroom that they were very careful about, like, please don't touch my stuff, right? Um, so there's like this like kind of cozy bed that's a pullout, I think. Like it, it, you can like sort of like push the bed up and fit fit into the wall because they use the rest of the space as like an office, right? So the bed has been pulled down. It's quite small, maybe only the size of a, like a twin XL or something, right? The rest of it is just like papers everywhere, like material components for spells, like books, just books everywhere, uh, scrolls like stacked into the walls. Like there's like a little like floating globe of light uh, that just seems to change different colors and make weird noises randomly. And you and Mercy have not figured out how or why it works. Uh, and Mercy sort of sidles next to you. Hey, sit Lolly, you're gonna be okay. All right. Everything's gonna be fine. Everyone's gonna come back. It's, it's good. It's a good thing. He's probably gonna kill me. I mean, like, she she should kill me. I mean, no, I'm... Should I kill her? No, we tried that. Um, You're, you're talking oh. about Rev here, right? Yeah. She's the paragon of the Raven Queen. She's not supposed to take life without it being its preordained time, right? Or whatever. Or whatever, my entire religion, Mercy. But, um, but no, yeah. That's not um, what I... And you're, you know, the Raven Queen likes you. She gave you your magic back, the feather thing. Yeah, um... Yes, but that doesn't mean Rev likes me. So, um... Well, well, why don't you give her a peace offering? Dr. Lusa says something about a potluck tonight, right? So maybe you could talk to her? Or, hear me out, I could just not be there. Sidlali, you're a part of the Hounds. You're my second. You have to be there. Okay, you're right. I am your second. Um... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, like, what if you had a different second with like a different name <laughs> well, I did face. have a uh, I had one once their name was Oka and I yes, think I it would be remember that it would be weird if I suddenly had a third second would it I think it would I think Rev's expecting you to be here maybe she even well, wants to talk why would she want to talk to me the last time we talked I tried to kill her and then uh, you you guys made it up, right? Like the Raven Queen no, spoke Raven for her. Queen and I, yeah, yeah, the Raven Queen and I made up. But like Rev and I didn't really talk after that. So like, how does that, I mean, like how how does that even work with Paragons? Like maybe they... she forgot. Maybe she doesn't know. Maybe she doesn't remember who you are. I mean, people forget people all the time. It's normal. No, Mercy, that's you. <sighs> are you still hung up on Wooming? Everyone is still hung up on Wooming. I think I hear Dr. Luzo calling again. Uh, you know what? Let's go Let's go downstairs and we should probably give them their office back because everyone's going to be staying here and sleeping. And Fine, fine, yes, but I can't. Or see, we could we'll enjoy one last... I mean, if we're not going to be using the bed anymore. Just a, you quick, know, you're just so a quickie. Just real, just just like, real fast. Like, like 10 minutes tops. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> I think we, we cut out as like Mercy, you know, moves in to kiss you. We like cut back down. <laughs> Max, Max looks traumatized. Max looks literally traumatized. Um, over my salad. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, <laughs> how long has it been? It's been like ten minutes since we started. What happened? The hounds have arrived. How, how many sex scenes are we gonna are we allowed to have? 
<laughs> Are we allowed to have as many as we want, Max? How many Real scenes do we have today? <laughs> okay. Uh, we cut back downstairs, I think, to the front porch of Dr. Luso's cottage. The elk and the cows begin, like, rolling up, right? Manaya sort of draws the cows to a halt, and Oka, your elk, sort of snorts, uh, snorts, sort of, like, paws at the ground as it passes by, like, the chicken pens, right? And the chickens all sort of cluck uh, by, like, the wire fencing and, like, look very curiously and interestedly at this new party arriving. And then... All of you paragons see the door creak open, like fling open, and like warm light spills out. And silhouetted against the threshold is Dr. Aluso. And I think they've put on a little apron, a little kiss the chef apron, actually. They've, they're like quickly like putting it on, like wrap, tying it up behind their waist. It has a, a hand-stitched embroidered image of a cave fisher, which is sort of like a cross between a scorpion and a lobster. It's like one of the many creatures indigenous to the Euclid chasm that like lurk in its depths. It's sort of like a, it's a terrifying monster, uh, but it's been uh, yassified and made really cute on this apron. And it's got, it's got the, it's a little claws up uh, and like a little heart over it that says kiss, kiss the cave fisher. Um, Dr. Luso goes, ah, Oka, Manaya, Dewey, V, Rev, hi. Hey, Doc. And Oka, you know, they kind of, they have, they did their hair. Uh, it's fine. They swing right off the elk and kind of land beside it and hold on to the reins and draw it a little bit closer. Uh, yeah, Dr. Luso gestures for you to come in and says, oh, actually, um, Squeak? Squeak, where? Squeak! There are animals. Do you mind taking the animals to the... And I think all of you just hear a very annoyed voice cut through the outdoors. Yes, yes, I'm here. And sort of like hobbling out, waddling from behind where the hippos are mudding. We all see Squeak, who'd been sort of, I think like maybe shoveling the hippo manure and like taking care of some farm work. She's got like these working gloves on, right? She's as wide as she is tall. Her orbitous eyes are sort of narrowed as she sees the paragons approach. And she sort of waddles up to all of you, stinking of manure, holding a poop shovel, um, being like, all right, Yoka, I'll take your elk. And I'll take those cows too. Good to see you again. Oh, uh, no, it's fine. I can I can take the animals if you're busy. Squeak. It's where's uh are they uh uh are the hounds here? Yes, yes, they're indoors getting ready for the meal, leaving all the hard work to some other people on the farm. I think they've never seen a lack of good hard honest farm work in their life, but oh hello Dewey, it's good to see you again. Hi, Squeak. Uh, you wanna well, clean up and we can all have dinner? Yes, yes, I'm close. I'm close to scooping up all your poop. Would you like okay. to help? I don't worry about it. You just came back. You came back from a very traumatic paragon assassin attempt. Don't worry about it. Just go inside and enjoy. We sure did. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Squeak. You're welcome. Speaking of trauma, hello, V. I heard about everything that happened in the Nothing Plane. Oh, hello, Squeak. Uh... So nice to see you, friend. It's so nice. And V's like climbing out. She's got like a box in each hand, and she has Mage Hand carrying a third box out, and she's balancing them all as she's making her way. Tell me, friend, how are the chickens? Are the chickens are okay? Have they been? Have you been feeding the chickens well? They're my favorite part of the farm. The chickens are great, the chickens are good, the hippos are good, we renovated the barn actually, and Napua and Kahilani actually, and Squeak addresses Manaya, uh, we built a shack for them, sort of like by, by the northeastern edge over there, so you can go see your parents over there if you want. Come, 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 let me help bring all the boxes in. 
Envy just works her way to carrying these boxes of of goodies towards the house. Fantastic. Yeah. A squeak hustles and bustles and helps everyone in. Oka, maybe you like hop off your elk and you start like doing whatever you have to do with mounts. I don't know much about elks. Yeah, Oka can take a point on, they get off their elk and start uh, unhooking the saddle and the bridle, uh, and they also start unhitching the wagon to bring the Sangha cattle in. So they're working outside for a moment more, I think. Fantastic. And I think like Squeak starts to sort of like waddle along, sort of usher Dewey and V and Rev first. Like I think up the steps of the porch as Manaya sort of says goodbye quickly and goes off to like meet with her parents in the shack area uh, by the northeast of, of the homestead. And that's when Dr. Elusa sort of at the threshold. Oh, hello. Oh, Dewey, it's so good to see you. V, Rev. To be honest, as soon as Jaron saw what was happening outside, they would have like slipped out the back door to go and talk to Oka. Mm, okay, why don't we make a stealth check? What's 17 plus 14? It means no one sees you. Uh, so <laughs> it means no one sees you. Yeah, Jerron, you slip out like a shadow. I think there's like a little, like a kitchen door that leads directly out into the chicken coop. Uh, so only the chickens don't notice you're there at all. <laughs> like you step over the chickens, they just keep clucking. Uh, and I think you're able to sidle your way, sort of like a shade, right to where Oka is. They're doing stuff with leather. They're unstrapping some straps and they're kind of like putting like a soft hand on their elk as they pat. I think because of Jaron's high stealth roll, if I may, I don't think Oka even notices that they like have entered the barn at all. Jaron will just kind of like quietly come up and like for a moment, I think just watch Oka work. And as they see that Oka is like gently patting the elk, they will walk up and he's going to put like one hand like gently over Oka's and just say, hello, Oka. They turn around and try to punch you, I think, just on reflex alone. Make an attack roll. (laughs) (laughs) Should I? (laughs) Uh, Yes, do it. Make an attack roll. What's your AC, Jerron? My AC is 15. Okay. Oka, what'd you get? <laughs> Roll damage. Oh wait, it's oh, it's no, unarmed it's strike. Just, so one d four. Yeah, one d four. Like a d four. A two. Which damage am I? Okay, okay, cool. Two. Yeah. Ow! Okay, I, I fuck, Jerron. What? What? What the hell are you doing? What are you doing? You can't sneak up on me like that. I was. Did you? Did you forget the part where I was almost assassinated? Right. Sorry. I just thought you. You look. You look like you dealt with it. And I think they do, for a moment, look like they dealt with it. There, I forgot to describe, there is a crown on their head, a circlet. This, like, silver, like, thin, kind of, like, wrapping circlet that sits just kind of on their head with a super bright blue sapphire that just sits kind of in the middle of their forehead, which I think you get the, like, first glimpse of as they, like, turn to face you all the way. And there's still that bolt of red lightning, like, up through their eye, uh, and they just look, I, 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 fuck, I miss you so much. Uh, and they grab both of Jaron's cheeks and kiss them. And Jaron will return the kiss. I think, though, there's, like, a little bit of, like, blood coming out of Jaron's nose from the punch. Oh, it's so romantic for a blood hunter. Oga leans back and kind of, like, daubs it away. Sorry about that. What's up with the... And he nods at the circlet. I, um, I might as well just tell you, I got re-coronated. Re-coronated? 
Also, yeah. wait, I thought you were wanted for treason. We sorted that out after, you know, the, uh, it's complicated. Uh, I am no longer wanted for treason. Um, so what, you're like a, like a prince now? Less now and more again. Right. Right. And I think Joran is like, visibly you can see it's, the math is not mathin. It's a little, little difficult for, for him to sort of like put all of this together like, Oka's a prince. This is weird. Um, and they just kind of, kind of like stare at the circlet for a little while before like, kind of like flitting it out of their head and go, okay, uh, does, does that mean we have to call you, like, your highness No, now absolutely, or something? absolutely. Don't you fucking dare, Jaron. Don't you fucking dare. I but, can't... I mean... I, I can't take it off. And Oka, t like, goes to take it off, and they throw... They just, like, throw it, like, at the barn doors, and as soon as it goes to touch the ground or something that's not Oka's head, it just reappears back on their head. I've been wearing it for days. I don't know how to take it off. Duran bursts out laughing at that, I think. And he like steps back a little and like does this almost like sarcastic like bow towards Oka. Says, Don't, don't, well don't Prince Oka Hien. I, Duran. Yes, your highness. I am going to punch you again. No, this time I know it's coming. And Oka rolls their eyes and kind of smiles at you again. Uh, and they turn back to the elk who maybe was like snorting impatiently and like trying to get into one of the stalls where they can see beautiful, beautiful hay. I, uh, that's my elk. This is my elk. Um, I got it in the ball, uh, and I've been waiting to name it. I haven't, I haven't named it yet. I wanted you to, I wanted you to name it. I remember you told like a story about an elk once that I thought was like it was it was really funny. Um <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, about the about the time that I pretended to be an elk as a kid. Can't yeah. believe I even told you that story to begin with. I thought Gentle was the only one that knew about that, but you uh we got really I mean it was one of those nights, you know. I mean, just it was cute. I remembered, and I, I, uh, I've been calling it baby, but that doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> baby, I mean, it's cute, but and Jaron like walks over to the elk and just kind of like pats it down. It's a beautiful elk. Deserves a beautiful name. How about Sitara? It's Morosi for star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. See, you always have had a way with words. I've missed you too. And I think okay. we cut away from the two of you in the barn. Gay-ass motherfuckers. Uh, back to the cottage. Back to the cottage, where Dr. Lusso, I think, is like welcoming Dewey and V and Rev inside, right? Like the instructions, like, oh, please take your shoes off. There's that uh, little rack for you to put your shoes on. And uh, here. And sort of like as Dewey, you cross over the threshold, I assume. Dr. Lusso, without asking, sort of like wipes their hands like down in front of you. And you feel like a little <laughs> ruffle of warmth as all the cold from outside is sort of like <laughs> magically whisked away. Uh, and I think your feathers like ruffle a little from like the nice heat 
right? It's like you were just like given like a nice thermos full of like warm hot chocolate that you just drank down, right? You feel all warmed up inside. And like this little like blue glitter like goes goes off your feathers. Do you feel better now? Yeah. Have you been, is that a new one? Uh, no, I've always been able to do this. Uh, yes, shoes, please, over there. Uh, and Squeak, do you mind taking Dewey's things? And uh, maybe we can gather all the things and run them out to the barn. We just don't have a lot of storage space in the cottage. And they sort of turn, and you see, like, the sitting area has been taken up by a lot of Mercy's shit. But to you, I don't think you would know who Mercy is, necessarily. So you see a bunch of, like, just, like, javelins, like, weapons, sort of leaned up against a bookshelf. You see, like, a big sack of, like, monster parts that's just sort of there, like, kind of open with skulls and teeth and whatnot, right? Another, like, sack of, like, what appear to be gems and gold, right? Just, like, the treasure that she travels with all the time on her person. We're... A little short on storage space here. Uh, but yes, why don't you put all your things off to the side and... Dewey, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Dr. O. Uh, sorry, whose who's stuff is all that? Oh, yes, that is Mercy's. Uh, she is the leader of the Hounds of Mercy, who are Oka's friends uh, that Oka sent here. They've been living with me uh, for, I think, the past week or so. Me and Squeak. Oka... Okay. Oka would have given the the Paragons a little primer and been like, you can't talk about this with Mercy, just please, you know, like, they would have given a primer for each hound, I think. Cool. Did a little studying. Uh, Dewey's like, oh, okay, uh, I guess I'll go um, introduce, I'll go find her and introduce Oh, no, no, I'll call them down. They should be, I think she and Sitlali were just hanging out in my room. Uh, Sitlali, Mercy, and Sitlali... (laughs) You and Mercy, maybe seven minutes in, uh, hear your voices being called for by Dr. Aluso. Shit. Sorry, lost track of time. You may have to. My love. And Mercy sort of, like, cups the side of your cheek with her hand. You're going to be okay. All right? Rev is... I mean, she's a paragon, but she's not unreasonable. Okay? I'm sure if you just talk to her... Good things will happen. And hey, if she tries to give you shit, I'll knock her out. I'll knock her teeth out. She's a paragon, babe. Well, here's the thing. She's a big, muscular, honorable paragon. So if I challenge her to a no magic duel, I bet she'd accept and I bet I'd kick her ass. You would duel for me? Of course I'd duel for you. And I think they just like give Mercy a quick kiss. All right, just let me pull my trousers on. Uh, we're, we're coming, uh, coming, Dr. Luso. Yep, we're just, um, we were getting ready. We were putting makeup on. Mm-hmm. And, like, Mercy gives you, like, she's never put makeup on, like, in her life when she says that. Do you want me to put makeup on you? No, please don't. Don't make me a pretty little girl. I don't want that. As long as you never say those words to me again, I promise I won't. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe some repressed memories there. All right. Uh, she pulls She pulls her boots on. Wait, no shoes. She pulls them back off. She just looks like someone else. And then maybe she won't recognize me. And then it will, it'll sit be fine. Lolly, sit lolly. Everyone knows you're a changeling. So if there's some random person acting weird around Rev, don't you think she'd be able to put two and two together? No. <sighs> you know what? Take all the time you need to get ready. I'm going to go down first so they don't get suspicious or come up here. How tall is Rev? Uh, over six feet, maybe. Sit Lolly, just 
takes a moment to um, adjust and is Mercy's height, the same height as Mercy, because Mercy's like, what, like six something? Yeah, goes for that and is like, what about that? Is that better? Uh, Does that work? You're longer now. Uh, you know what? Yes, yes, it works. If this will get you out of the room and downstairs and mingling with everyone, yes, it works. You look great. As long as I look more imposing and um, terrifying and... Um, yeah, okay, fine. Let, fuck it. Let's go. Um, yeah. Okay. And you and Mercy open up the door. You start to head downstairs. And I think, like, we cut to downstairs where Dr. Lusso, after calling for Mercy and Sitlali, uh, turned to greet you uh, again. V. V. It's so good to see you. I- I've missed you. Yes, uh, Doctor. It's good to see you in person. You're not made of blood. I know. It's, it's I know. wild. It's good to uh, actually see you in the flesh as well. And congratulations again on being married. This V actually like blushes a little bit and like, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> who would have thought I'd be a married, honest woman by now? I don't know about the honest part, <laughs> V, but certainly married. Fair enough. Uh, I've got these boxes of, of treats. Where should I put these? Oh, yes, just on the, I think on the dining table. Dr. Lusso turns to look at the dining table, which I think it's like an open floor plan here. Like past the foyer is the dining table. Where is that where we see Gentle setting up the, the placemats? Yeah, I've been really hoping no one drew attention to me. Hi, uh, I'll help bring those over and I go walk over and introduce myself. Uh, hi, um, I'm Gentle. You must be one of uh, Oka's friends. Oh, hi there. Uh, v puts down her boxes and puts out a hand to to shake. Uh, yes, I'm I'm uh, Victoria Nocturza. You you can call me V or Vicky or Wendy, whichever. Just call me V. Okay, V V's good. Uh, I'm gentle. Uh, just gentle. Well, so nice to meet you. I. Uh, Oka was telling us a little bit about you, but uh, it's so nice to to meet you in person. Where is Oka, by the way? I... Uh, he's dealing with animals. Apparently they're an animal person. Uh, blood and animals, it's their favorite. So. Uh, yeah, that sounds like Oka. Yeah, though, they should be back in here some soon, hopefully. Okay, well, perfect. Um, I'll just keep setting up the plates. It's. I do want to check... Are you okay with the placement of the mats and like where everyone's sitting? I was kind of helping adjust these. So um, if anyone wants to help with that and I like see Dewey and I just like wave a little. Dewey waves back and is very, very happy to be given an assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, I think at that point, that's when Sitlali and Mercy come downstairs. And Rev is also, like, I think holding the rest of, like, V's, like, treats. And, like, is walking it over and putting it on the dining room table. And that's when, like, the stairs sort of creak, you know, creak, creak, creak. And we see Mercy sort of come down with Sitlali, the same height as Mercy, right next to her. Uh, Mercy says, Ah, you must be the Paragons. Nice to meet all of you. I'm Mercy. This is Sitlali, my second. Oh, I've heard so much about you. V walks over and uh, extends you know, hands. She she looks at your extended hand, doesn't shake it quite yet. <laughs> you know, we actually met a lifetime ago. Almost a year ago at this point. I don't know if you remember. In Ujad. Oh, I was hoping you'd forget that. <laughs> so you are that mercy. Uh-huh. Oh. One and the same. I hope you can forgive. I mean, you understand what it's like, the hustle. I was just doing what I had to do. What are you talking about? 
this was uh, on the at, right after the cataclysm. Oh, came to Jaw, right. there was a yeah, tooth no, spitting yeah, monster. No. Yep, 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 yep. No, it's a, yep, sure, yep. That's where I met you. I've uh, forgotten huh. you about someone else. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to see you again, V. And like Mercy shakes your hand and then turns her like sort of scarred gaze upon you, Dewey. And I remember you too. Uh, Cardi, right? Uh, Dewey's fine. Uh, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Rev? Uh, and Rev looks up. <clears throat> Mercy? And then Rev looks over to you, Sitlali. Sitlali? Sitlali is pointedly looking literally anywhere else. And just kind of like... Try I think they turned to V. And, um... I'm sorry, what were you saying about the hustle? Because I would know a thing or two about that. And, um... Did you try to pull something? Did I try to pull something? You're said Lolly. Oh, this is so lovely to finally meet you face to face. Hello. What have I you think, heard? I think Oka had said that V and Sit Lolly could not speak. They made it very clear that the two of them should not be put in the same room. And they were like, V, don't talk to Sit Lolly. Just don't do it. I just hear that you're wonderful and uh, just an amazing amazing person and uh oh this is awkward uh i'm rev hi um you've heard of sit lolly right rev we've met we've met i would like to insight check everything v just said about me <laughs> okay go for it v are you trying to hide it sure what do i have to roll in performance performance against it <laughs> insight checks are like sit lolly's thing but also, yes. performance checks are V's thing, so I'm really curious to see what happens. Not when I roll crappily and only roll an 11. 29? Yeah, so, yeah, V is definitely lying and knows everything about what happened in the court. Rev has told her everything, and she's mm -hmm. trying to put on a brave face and be polite. Mm-hmm. I think Sitlali kind of straightens up and goes, Wonderful person. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what you've heard. Um... Well, if it's any consolation, you've pr if you've asked around about a V-Nox Scherzer, you've probably heard nothing but glowing reviews, so uh, consider it one friend to another friend. I haven't. And I think they kind of turn and um, try to find literally anything to do. Um, uh, Mercy actually says, uh, Sitlali, I think I forgot something up in Dr. Luso's room. Do you want to get it for me? The yes. The socks, the special socks. The special socks that mm -hmm. keep my feet warm. Yeah, because it's winter. Do you want to just of go? Course. I think it's deep in there. So Silali's gone for you know the rest of the evening trying to find my socks. That's why. Mm -hmm, yep, I'm going, and I just go up the stairs. Rev leans down to you, V, and says, "One moment," uh, and pushes past you and starts to go up the stairs. And I think like Mercy holds out a hand to stop her. Well, hey, 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 buddy. Uh, where do you think you're going? I just want to talk to Silali. You don't mind, do you? Talk to Sitlali. Uh, I don't mind. Do you mind if I... Do you mind if we... I'd prefer if it was in privacy. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, buddy, I don't think that's such a good idea. Uh, Sitlali's looking for my socks in private, and I Mercy, think we should give her... why the hell would you not come outside to say hello to me? And I think this is Oka, like, pushing in through the kitchen, right? Ugh, Oka, you son of a bitch. And, like, momentarily distracted... Mercy, like, strides down the stairs and walks forward and gives you a big thump and, like, a hug, right? I think pulls you up, like, off of the ground and thumps you on the back. 
kind of hard, and it drops you back down, back down on the ground. Stop. That is so embarrassing. I hate when you do that. Okay, just, just don't. You don't have to do that. There's no reason for you to do that. What the fuck is that? And they like pull your crown off. And as soon as she touches it and brings it off, there it, it reappears back on their face. What the? How'd you? And they like try to pull it off again. It's, it's, stop! Stop touching my face. Stop. Where is gentle? Right there. Setting plates. Hi. Oka shoves Mercy in the chest and goes and gives Gentle a surprisingly forward and big hug, I think. I reciprocate the big hug. Uh, uh, hi, Oka. Uh, Prince Oka, I overheard. Please don't. Please just, I don't. No, no. Uh, it's, it's fine. It's okay. It, it's good should, to see you. Okay. Uh, 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 it's really good to see you, too. Um, I got to meet V and uh i haven't really got to talk to dewey yet but your friends are really nice i'm glad you think so where's sit lolly uh, we cut upstairs <laughs> to sit lolly i think sit lolly you have like a beat of privacy up in the office up in dr luso's room what are you doing with that one crystal moment of silence i think they lose the height instantly in the panic they just go back to being five two and they're just like fuck fuck shit fuck um yeah i think they just freeze and like the their newly acquired bag of holding is just kind of like on the ground next to them and i think they just kind of sit it's very similar to the last time they met and i think like you've shrunk down you're you're sat there you're looking at the bag and the door just opens no knocking no announcement, no preamble, just opens. And you see a big woman. You... That's a different big woman than I thought it was going to be. Hi, oh, Lolly. Can we talk? Sure. Rev steps past the threshold and like, like closes the door behind her. Mm-hmm. So this is where you and Mercy have been staying. Isn't this Dr. Aluso's room? Is it? Yeah. And their eyes sort of fall on like this the scrying bowl, like mounted on the wall in front of the desk. I mean, I can use those too, in fairness. Um, uh, how have you been since we last spoke? I am, uh, f- f- fine. F- fine, yeah. Uh, how, how are you? Not dead, Paragon Killer didn't. Yeah, that's good. Well, I am dead. I'm back from the dead, I, but I'm not dead again. Yeah, congrats on on being not not dead again. Um, that's yeah. good. Paragon killer's dead. Their handler's dead. Spy got away, but I think they were just working for money and curiosity. Their handler. Who's their handler? Uh, Kilohana. Some woman from Uhanahi. Her husband. Dr. Ting, I actually met him uh, back in the court around when I met you, I think right before or right after. Sorry, the timeline's so messed up in my head. Long story. How did they do that? Does Oka still have their, did you, did they get it back? Their soul? Or part yeah. of their soul? Yeah, yeah. they have it. Uh, on a chisel around their neck. Uh, that's actually, um, I was hoping maybe you, I mean, Oka had mentioned that you had spoken, but you should definitely talk to them about that. I think maybe after dinner, you can all take a look at Oka's chest. Yeah. 
but I'm not I'm not here about Oka. Uh, I just wanted to I just wanted to uh, you know I know you have a fraught relationship with the Raven Queen, and you know when we last I spoke mean, you were fraught? Uh, complicated. How about that? I I have a complicated relationship with the Raven Queen, and I'm her freaking paragon. Uh huh. Speaking of being her paragon, though, I just wanted to make sure you know you and I were good. What is good, really, when you think about it? Like... Not trying to kill each other? I mean, you have her, so I can't. Not that I would, but like... Do you want to? Still? Do you want to? Still? I've never wanted to kill you, Sitlali. See, I thought the feeling was mutual. Oh. No. Why? Hold on. You still have the feeling? You, you're you're still holding on to? Which feeling? There are a lot of feelings, Rev. I'm speaking specific- I've only been speaking about one kind of feeling this entire time, which is the feeling that you want- that you want to kill me. Do you still want to kill me? I feel like I deserve to know if you want to kill me. I honestly haven't really thought about it. Because I didn't think th- this would be happening. Um... It, it doesn't really matter if I want to or not, if I'm not going to. Of course it matters, Sitlali. I just, I feel like actions speak louder, you know, that's the saying, people say things, and if I'm- Okay, I, so I you still want to kill me, understood. Loud and clear. No, yep. I would never, no, no, because the Raven Queen is, you are, no, no. But my, my question for you, Sitlali, then, is do you want to kill me because of the whole Paragon thing, or is this about Leaf? Because you were her brightest pupil and one of her closest friends when she was still when she was still here with us. I know her death must have hurt you too. Yeah. And now I'm back and she's still gone. So is that what this is about or is it about something else? I think it's safe to say that that's what this is about. I think maybe like a silence falls for a minute there. As Rev just sort of looks off to the side, her jaw set, her eyes very far away, her mismatched one gold, one black eye. You know what's funny? Is I think you feel about me the way I feel about Dewey. I don't know if you've actually met Dewey. Uh, Long story short, the person, the thing, the creature that killed Leaf was also sent after Dewey, but spared him. And I don't know why. Dewey tried explaining it to me, something about striking a deal. It's known as the Myriad. It's a demon. Emissary of Sen. Which, of course, Oka is the paragon of. It's complicated. It's... For a long time, I harbored a lot of resentment towards Dewey after I found this out, that he and the Myriad had some sort of relationship. (laughs) Why did the Myriad kill Leaf? Why did he kill me? (laughs) and spare Dewey. We're both paragons, so that doesn't make sense. Why? But, you know, it's not his fault. It's not Dewey's fault. It's the Myriads. He's the one responsible for all of this. So I'm trying to get to a place where I don't harbor the same kind of resentment against Dewey that I used to, because I don't think that's healthy for me. For my relationship with V, for my colleagueship with Dewey, I don't want to say friendship. We're not friends. Relationship. 
with V. Yeah. Uh, we're dating. Like uh, how you and Mercy are, right? I don't know if it's... I would say that they're the same, but yes, we are dating. Leaf really loved you, Sitlali, okay? She made that very clear to me, and she made it clear that you were a priority in her life in a different way than I was to her. I wish it hadn't come to this with us, because we both loved her the most, I think. And I wish that brought us closer instead of driving us apart. You know, sometimes I do wonder what would have happened if I had gone with her instead of you. <laughs> Maybe you'd be the paragon of the Raven Queen and I'd... Uh, here. Rev reaches into the darkness of her uh, cloak, her raven-feathered cloak, and she pulls out a robe. And as soon as she pulls it out from the depths of her cloak, which you figure her cloak maybe acts as like a bag of holding or something, um, you feel the weave sort of tighten around this robe that Rev retrieves. Why don't you tell us what the robe looks like, actually, as Rev takes it out? So it's a dark purple, and it has, I feel like on either side of the, the collar, we'll say collar for the sake of ease, it has four like big elaborate embroidered stars, and then the interior is just starlight. This, um, the Dexai gave this to me. It was Leaf's. It was her robe. It connected her with the Raven Queen and the stars, when Andake still had stars. They wanted me to have it, to use its magic for good, to... But it doesn't fit me, it's too small, and it's not really my style. I like to punch things, and this is less about punching and more about magic stuff. So, uh, I think she'd want you to have it. And Rev holds out the robe. Thanks, it, Lolly. Stands up kind of looks Rev in the eye for the first time and takes it. Thank you. You got it, uh, Bud? Don't call me Bud. There's a dire wolf named Bud. It'll make Gentle upset. What? It, he, there's okay, a dire wolf. That's... He's missing. It's... Wow, okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, you're welcome. Sit lolly. That, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm gonna check on my girlfriend now. Why don't you find Mercy Socks a uh, good talk? We on the Her same page? Socks, or... I'm gonna check on my girlfriend as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, okay. I'm just gonna yeah. leave and you can I'm, take only, a minute. There's Are only one leave door. At the same there's... time? We're in yeah. the same, going in the same direction? Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, there's that like awkward moment where you say goodbye to someone, but you walk in the same direction. So like Rev opens up the door and both of you kind of like awkwardly sidle out. Um, I, I think V has been right there almost like with her ear at the door. <laughs> v. Oh, oh, hello. Oh, hey. Sid Lolly. Hi. Hi. My good friend, Sid Lolly. And once again, V puts out a hand to shake. So which one are you? I don't think I've heard anything about you. Oh, I'm the Paragon girlfriend. Oh, are you just the girlfriend? Is that all? <sighs> oh, 
sit lolly, sit lolly, sit lolly. This is gonna be fun. You're going to be so much fun. Okay, V, you know what? Let's go and see if Gentle needs help with dinner stuff, okay? <laughs> v, like, Rev has, like, pushed me away. Like, V's, like, definitely, like, a stink eye over the, her shoulder as Rev is, like, pushing her down the stairs. And finally, V, like, V lines it towards back to the table stuff. And Rev sort of mutters under her breath, oh, baby, so Lolly's gonna hate someone else more than me. <laughs> she, like, continues to, like, usher you down the stairs. As we go down the stairs, I think we're gonna pan over to dinner being set up. Uh, so it's a gentle, and maybe also dewy, as you're, like, helping gentle, like, set the, the place settings and maybe start start to bring food out. Oh, gosh. Um, so I I think the, the seating order is V... Dewey, Oka, Drawn, myself, and then Sit Lolly. I think that keeps them on the opposite ends of the table. <laughs> I had to move Dewey one step closer because of that whole scene. And are, are there any dietary restrictions or anything? I, I think I'm asking as I'm like setting up plates. Uh, I'm a pescatarian, but you can just leave the meats on one side of the table. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, and how are you? I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you really. I'm. Good. Um, seems like I've got the least drama of everyone right now. Squeak bustling by says, weren't you poisoned by someone you thought was a friend and also was the reason why the Paralon Killer got into the palace? Sorry, I'm gonna help Dr. Wusho in the kitchen. <laughs> she I'm like fine. Past. <laughs> uh, a little bit of poisoning here and there. Uh, Are you still sick? I can heal a little bit of that if you need a little help with that sure i'm i mean the uh royal healers did what they could but um it's sort of a non-standard poison if you want to take a look i'd be grateful uh sure um i am gonna try to do some healing uh hand of healing stuff dewey puts down this, like a stack of napkins and like sits down okay um so yeah i'm going to use a couple of key points to do physician's touch uh, end one disease or falling condition so I don't know if that will narratively do anything, but Gentle's still going to give it an honest, honest attempt. Yeah. Um, Gentle, how are you laying your hands on Dewey? Um, is there anywhere in particular that it happens to hurt or like anywhere you'd prefer? No, I mean, like I drank the poison for a couple of weeks, uh, so it's everywhere. Um, okay, let's just, let's just go like center of mass then. Okay. Um, and then like... It'll that familiar like warm glow of the hand of healing, uh, and gentle, very like gentle, gently, uh, does it. I don't know if this will help, but hopefully it does. And then if it doesn't, I'll still make a cup of tea. Do we feel a warm glow spread through your chest as gentle puts their lit up hands upon you? And gentle, I don't think your hand of healing can remove the poison completely, but make a medicine check for me, and I'll tell you about a little bit about how the poison works, depending on depending on your role. Okay, so that is a 25. Whoa, okay. Yes, there is poison sort of spread throughout every part of Dewey's bloodstream. It sort of like embedded itself into Dewey as a person. The royal physicians of the palace seem to have done a good job. They've pulled out a lot of it, but a little bit of it still remains. And it sort of like clung onto Dewey's cells a little bit. Um, and you get the sense that the way to tr really flush this poison out is gonna have to come from like an inner strength of will from Dewey. There's just a little bit of it left, and if Dewey just powers through and really just, like, 
for lack of a better term, like believes in himself a little bit more, then the then the last of the poison might flush itself out. But it seems like it, a lot of this this blockage is psychological, right? There's something psychological stopping Dewey from letting go of the poison fully, and it's not like an outside in healing. It has to be inside out. So what I do like a cleanse of some sort, Doc? I mean, yes, but more of a like a mental emotional cleanse. It seems like it's mostly a mental block sort of stopping the healing process from fully going into effect, if that makes sense. I have no idea what could be causing that. Um, well, you're a paragon, so I mean, there's a couple of things, maybe. Yeah, there's that. Um, so work on myself, deal with my issues. I mean, yes. And it seems like you have to really believe in yourself. So, I don't know if anyone's told you this, but I believe in you. Now, do you want tea? I think that sort of takes Dewey back for a moment. Um, he's like, um, yeah, wh what kind of tea? Yes, sure. Thanks. All right, what kind of tea? Uh, and Gentle reaches <laughs> towards their bag and pulls out a bunch of, like, natural uh, herbs. Uh, so, it really depends on the mood you're here for. And um, I think, honestly, considering that this is mostly a psychological thing maybe some sort of something that'll give you a bit more energy and wherewithal and they find like sort of a root, nice like similar to a ginger root and then mix that with uh some tea that they're already brewing uh, a lot of tea for everybody but you get a little like special made one thanks of course um i mean a friend of oka is a friend of mine so uh consider us friends uh yeah uh friends um, <laughs> friends is a little touchy subject right now. Um, oh. but yes, <laughs> no, sorry. I I didn't mean to unload. Uh, no, no, you're okay. I, <laughs> I, I, I'll. It's it's totally fine. If you need someone to talk to, that's okay. And if not, I also understand. Um, I I won't use the word friends. I, I pa, uh, coworker. I don't know. Um, sure. Uh. Thanks, Gentle. Yeah, um, I'll go check on the tea, and Gentle just sort of tries to quickly leave, because they feel bad now. <laughs> yeah, Gentle, as he get up and sidle into the kitchen, that's when Dr. Luso steps out of the kitchen, and all of you see, like, knives and vegetables and meats flying around, <laughs> like, sort of, like, glowing, like, blue behind them as they sort of poke their head out. They say, uh, dinner will be ready in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Oka! Hi! Uh, Hi! And Oka gets this look on their horrible little face that just, the hounds have maybe not seen it. Uh, and I think while this was all happening, they were talking with Jaron, and they had taken out uh, the chisel that was held by the silver thread that Jaron had given them. The golden chisel with their own soul that was wrapped around it and were kind of like cupping it like a bird's egg. and showing Jaron and they kind of just like immediately like look up tuck it like kind of like really quickly back underneath their their cloak hey 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 Hitsagaton um <clears throat> Dr. Aluso good to see you hi it's good to see you too uh, in a non-blood way right yeah a non-blood way uh it's, it's you have color instead of just blood I'm glad you and Jaron were able to uh, catch up uh, and see each other again. I know Jaron's really been missing you. Uh, uh, Oka 
blushes and looks kind of between them with an ounce of anxiety. Uh, yeah, uh, that's your eyes are, and they kind of like take a few steps forward. They're, um, they're blue again. Ah, yes, it appears the longer I spend near the Euclid chasm, the more blonde my hair gets and the bluer my eyes become. I don't really know why. Perhaps it's some of the ambient magic coming from the depths of the chasm I've suspected for several years now. Uh, But that's beside the point. Welcome back uh, home, I guess, Oka. There's like a pause and then Dr. Luso awkwardly steps forward and gives you a hug. They hadn't hugged anyone else. Oka awkwardly accepts the hug. It's horrible. It's like watching two clams try to high five. Uh, that's what it's like. Uh, <laughs> and they kind of step away. Uh, it's promised to come back in two pieces. And they kind of pat where their soul is. Yes. Uh, Abiku, Costas, and Voska should be back any minute now. I don't want to set the table without them here. Uh, but once they get here, I think Voska will be able to help take a look at your soul. And we'll see what we can do. I'm sorry, did you say Costas? Yes. They actually like, said that you sent them here. Have I not mentioned Costas before? No, you never... I sent them here, but that was before they were, you know, a fanboy of the Chrysalis. Are they... What, what do you mean they're here? Where Where are they? And Oka grabs a, a fork off the table and starts, like, like wielding it around a little bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> they're, Oka, they're Oka. It's okay. Uh, Costas told me all about how the chrysalis, you know, was a little too suspicious for them. I really shouldn't speak on their behalf. Uh, Costas, Abiku, and Voska are strike team A. Uh, you, Dewey, Manaya, and V are technically strike team B, and I guess the Hounds now are strike team C for Equilibrium, but they were the original uh, people here. Remember the other folks that I mentioned way back when you first met me? that I said that I had some other folks working with me, helping me out. I sent them up to Moreau's almost a year ago at this point, and they've been in Moreau's since, investigating what we know now, of course, is the god shard of Neatbuza. And um, they've got it, they've got her. Uh, they should be They should be joining us here for dinner tonight. Uh, this is actually an open, did I, have I not mentioned this? Uh, everyone, we will have three more guests joining us tonight. You, you did not mention that, and, and what do you mean they have the god, who's holding the god shard of Neatbuza? Well, of course that'd be, uh, but then Squeak interrupts by quickly bustling forward uh, and say, This has nothing to do with any of this. Dewey, real fast, before I forget, this came for you while you were in too long. And she hands you a letter. There's a seal on it. It's unbroken. And the letter is addressed to uh, Cardu Quirk at Dr. Luso's address. And you see, like, the return address just has the name uh, Uilani. Uh, Dewey's heart drops into his stomach. Thanks, Squeak. Uh, you didn't read this, right? Of course not. You see, the seal is not woken. Okay, thanks. Uh, and he's moving, like, to the, I guess, the corner of the living room furthest away from everyone. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna open it up and read it? Yes. Okay. Uh, Dr. Luso goes up. Right, anyway, uh, it's a long story. I think Voska, Abiku, and Costas should just tell it for themselves. Okay frowns but accepts this okay i was just gonna say as uh oka like steps back like away from dr luso and the conversation ends Jaron is just going to like elbow oka and say what was that about what was what about oka what oka, come on come on what what shut up and they they like grab Jaron's collar if you say anything i will knife you in the gut 
Is that an order from a prince, or...? Yes, it is. Well, then I can't follow it. Jaron, Jaron! Uh, and they kind of... It's... Yeah, uh, I think we, we pan away from the two little lover boys in the corner to a different lover boy in a different corner as Dewey uh, opens up the seal. I'm sorry, that transition was so ominous. It was no, so not this. Not this. A different <laughs> lover boy. I'm so sorry. I just meant that you're a divorced dad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> man. We've had All to do it. for lover boys. In what? Yeah. As a divorcing <laughs> lover boy, apparently, you know. This They're is supposed to be a dramatic is. scene. Everyone shut up. This delph, is supposed to be dramatic. Delf, 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 Anyway, we panted Dewey in a corner of the living room, maybe wedged between a bookcase and like a display case with like a beholder eye suspended in goo, right? Uh, and Dewey, you open up the letter and you unfold it and you begin to read. And the letter reads as follows, written in the strict looping cursive that you know so well from Uilani. Cardu, this is the first and last letter you'll ever get from me. The storm is coming. I see it brimming on the southern horizon like a mass of angry darkness. But you don't have to worry. Hana and I are safe. The URL is building a storm shelter. State of the art says the queen. They invited us onto Nawa, so that's where Hana and I are. We're safe here, and we're very lucky not everyone is allowed in here. I don't know why you left, and so suddenly, for the longest time, I wondered. I tried to find you, to contact you. I even thought about hiring the Andake Postal Service. Not for you, but for her. For Hana. But now I know it doesn't matter. You're gone. You chose something else over being with your family. Even now, after the cataclysm, you didn't send any letters, you didn't send any messages, any couriers. You've drawn your line in the sand, Cardu. I hear you now, loud and clear. You want nothing to do with us, nothing to do with your family. Do not come here, do not contact me. We are safe with the URL, and that's all you need to know. Uilani. Fuck. Hounds and paragons alike. The evening begins to settle its chilly fingers into the outskirts of the cottage, but the inside of the hearth burns bright and warm, especially as Gentle finishes setting up everyone's plate around the table, and Dr. Aluso and Squeak begin to carry food out. And soon, the wood grain of the table begins to groan with beautifully roasted turnips, pork haunches, beef tenderloin, big bowls of stew, uh, fresh-cut vegetables and, and uh, berries as well. A little bit of everything for everyone. A little candy scattered about. Uh, little jars and bowls of spices and dipping sauces. And I think around now is when we, we pan over this beautiful landscape of food and we pan up to see everyone sat around the table uh, in the correct seating order, I think, that Gentle has designated. So we see Oka and Jaron, we see Dewey and V and Rev and Dr. Lusso and Squeak and Gentle and Mercy. And I think there's just an empty seat for Sitlali 
who hasn't come down yet, but as everyone's settling down, scooching into their seats, maybe Dewey looking a little, you know, like still reeling from the contents of that letter, uh, Dr. Lusso raises their head and just goes, up, oh, Sitlali, uh, everyone's ready. We're just waiting for you. So Sitlali takes a second, casts Detect Poison and Disease on themselves. Okay. Uh, in case. In case, what, Rev poisoned you? You know, or V, who knows? It could be anyone of those two people. V, did you poison Sitlali? No. <laughs> yeah, you're clear. You you cast the magic and it doesn't ping anything. It's up for 10 minutes, so just, you know, at the table. And, me, uh, if you catch anything from V, it's going to be a lot more burning. We'll see. Sitlali cast that and then just kind of looks in the mirror and just, you got this, you're fine. You're practically a paragon. It's fine. And then just like goes down the stairs. Yeah, as Sitlali comes down the stairs. Wearing the robe. Mm, right, with these like glittering starlit, like beautiful purple robe, like flowing past her form. Uh, everyone hears the groaning of the stairs as Sitlali comes down and then rounds the corner to enter the dining room. I think for a moment, Oga's face is in profile, but they snap to look at Sitlali and and their face snaps up as Sitlali comes into the room with this mixture of excitement, but also like deep, deep, deep anxiousness, which seems to deepen as they like see the scars running up Sitlali's face that have not faded. And I think it, like they snap and the eye with the red lightning bolt is the one that like kind of lands on you like as they turn their face all the way hey I think they do stop and just kind of lock eyes with you and go hey I like your cape what the fuck is on your head why does everyone keep asking me that it's a headband do I need to roll inside, or was that a bad enough lie that I can It was tell? a bad enough lie. It's, a, cool. it's not a fucking headband. There's no way. What the fuck is it, Oka? What have you done now? Oh, congratulations, Oka. You got re-coronated as the heir to the throne of Siong. <clears throat> oh, Prince Oka Hien? Is this really what we're... And Oka looks at Jiran now, too. Is this really what we're, we're going to do? Is that what this is? And they look over at Mercy, too. Is this it? Really? We're, we're gonna have to rib you a little bit for being literal fucking royalty, Oka. Come on. I mean, you are wearing it around. I can't take it off. What do you mean you can't take it off? Oka takes it off their head, throws it behind them again, and I think it, like, is about to hit Squeak when it just, like, disappears from the air and reappears on their head. Ah, an act of violence! Uh, and Dr. Doctor Lucid cuts <laughs> in and says, Oh, why don't you just speak its command word? What? And maybe that's when there's a thump, thump, thump at the door, right? And, like, all of you hear, like, the swirling howl of, like, a winter wind whip against the threshold. Dr. Luso goes, oh, yes, that must be strike team A. Just one minute. Uh, and Dr. Luso gets up and, like, very excitedly hustles over to the door. They fiddle with the locks and they swing it open to reveal three people at the threshold silhouetted against the dying starless light behind them. Uh, the first person, I think, I'm saving the saving our brand new PC for last. The first person is uh, 
a kind of wiry looking humanoid uh, with uh, swaddled in furs with this fur lined hood sort of pulled over their face, obscuring their features. They've got these like double swords like strapped to their back uh, and they're wearing this like a like steel pauldron, I think on like one arm. Uh, And they've also got like a huge pack, right? And like frost is like rhyming the fur on their hood. And they look real battered. Like they've just been on the road for months, which they probably have. And like their boots are just caked in like mud and frozen soil and like frost. They just sort of like smell like hunt. And there's a really unpleasant smell. I think that wafts in from like the sack that they're carrying. And they sort of drop the sack onto the ground at the threshold. And they say, Dr. Ho, it's so good to see you. And they like surge forward and hug Dr. Elusa, who goes, oh, oh, it kind of awkwardly. The next person places their hand on this person's shoulder and they step into view. And all of you see a Yuan Tea pure blood. Uh, with this, I think, like deep brown skin and these glittering black and gold scales sort of modeling the backs of their arms, you know, their exposed shoulders, their throat, sort of similar to the patterns of a banded crate. And they're wearing just like leather armor, some cloth, you know, almost like these like robes going down with a sash tied around their waist. And not a lot of like winter protective gear, actually, but they don't look cold at all. And they have this like short white hair sort of swept up and back out of their face. And these striking eyes, one of which is brown, the other of which is pure white. And they place a hand on this other person's shoulder and they say, Now, now, Costas, I know it's been a quite a few months since we've seen Dr. Eluso in person, but we still have to keep in mind our manners. Right, Abiku? And this person looks up at the tallest of the trio. And Abiku Ishtar, why don't you introduce yourself to us? So you see a black woman. She's this white hair up in a, up in a bun. Her hair is locked. Both eyes are pure white. And she has on like orange eyeshadow makeup. And she's like these like orange freckling on her shoulders. You don't know if it's makeup or just her skin. As she steps into view, you notice her cheeks look like she's put on like white eyeshadow and mascara, but then you notice that the white, the clouds move on her face. She's not wearing any shoes. She's wearing like light blue cloth clothes. Like is it Bandalore style? I think is what it's called when it's like an X across your chest. And she walks into view and then, uh, Yes, it is always best to keep our manners, but Doctor, it has been some time, and she reaches out for a hug. Oh, Doctor Lusso's dropped by the hooded person and allows you to to hug her, yeah. right? Oh, oh, Abiku, I've almost forgotten how tall like, you are. Like pick up oh. hug. Nope. It's been so. Did you remember? Um, did you remember what I told you about the birds? Yes, their favorite kinds of uh, grain was it? Y- yes, they've have they they still come every morning. Yes, yes, every morning. A little less frequently now that it's winter, uh, but I do set oh. out seeds and and whatnot for them, just as you asked. Good. I sent a son. I sent them around back. I didn't know oh, who was understood. Here. Yes. Uh, the barn, their stall should should still be okay. Uh, I made oh, sure to, to rope it off, so Elka oh. Oka didn't put their elk there. This is for you, and I reach back, uh, like, through the threshold, and just, like, drop down a yeti pelt. Oh! And just a massive pelt just thunks onto the- Whoa! whoa. Oh my! Is that yeti? I, I didn't know- You said it was dinner. Oh! 
yes, thank you so much, Abiku. How thoughtful and oh, I knew I forgot something. I didn't fix the the door frame. Uh, I'm sorry, you still have to stoop to get in. It's okay. I'm used to it. It's good to be home. Well, yes, come in. And everyone, please welcome uh, Squeak, please, the pelt. Yes, yes, Dr. Wobushu. Hello, Abiku. Oh, Squeak. Hi. Hi. It's good I to see you. And Squeak actually reaches up her little stubby arms to be picked up as well. <laughs> for Uppies. I think at the table, Oka is like looking and they lean back and they're thinking about Manaya, who was previously the tallest woman that they've ever met until they met Kahealani, her mother, who was then the tallest person that they've ever met. And I think Abiku is now the tallest woman that they've ever met. How tall are you, Abiku, again? Will you remind us? believe we set it on eight even, unless that doesn't make me the tallest woman, because I will be the tallest woman. I, no, eight, I, eight I wrote down. Is... I wrote down the tallest woman you've ever met. Eight feet even feels par for the course. Yeah, Squeak, after she's set down by you, uh, picks up the Yeti pelt and starts like scrunching it up, right? And like gathering it up into this huge pile that's like much taller and wider than her, right? She's like gathering it. And Dr. Lucio sort of steps up the Yuantia closes the door, right? And like the, the, the howling wind and the chill whipping from outside is, dies down immediately. And the Yuantia turns and smiles at all of you. Uh, and they seem like maybe they're in their mid to late 30s, this Yuantia person. Maybe one of the older people here at the, you know, visibly speaking. Uh, and Dr. Lusso says, everyone, um, this is Voska, gestures to the Yuantia, who smiles and inclines her head. This is Costas. The hooded person who <clears throat> clears their throat and draws the hood deeper over their face. And this is a Piku. Piku's just staring at the doctor. Oh. Oka, they seem to suddenly remember something as Dr. Lusa says Vasca. And I think they stand up so hard that they knock their legs against the bottom of the table. Uh, and it kind of shakes. Vasca. Atalanta's dead. Pardon? She, uh, she's, she asked me to tell you that she loved you when she died. And they sit back down. I kind of look at Vasca. That is that person you told me about? Yes, Abiku, that is. Um, um, Thank you for telling me. Um, you must be Oka. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I've been holding on to that for a while. I. Hi. Nice to meet you. My name's Oka. <clears throat> well, thank you for carrying it for so long for me. You can finally put it down now. Costas, why don't you take that hood off? There's no need to hide yourself. We're among friends now. Hmm? And Costas, this hooded person, goes, oh, I really don't want to. Fosca, I prefer, I can just eat like this. It's fine. What? And make the whole table stink of elk manure. Please, Costas. There's a pause. <clears throat> and then Costas finally lowers their hood. We all see an elf. Sitlali, you recognize this elf on the eve of the cataclysm. A very handsome, kind of rugged, uh, very athletic features, right? With this like short kind of like dark hair on top. But something has changed. Half of them looks different. 
uh, basically split down the middle of their face the right side of their face and presumably it goes all the way down their throat presumably the entire right side of their body is made of ice and the side of their body that's made of ice doesn't have any hair right so it kind of looks like they have like an undercut or like a shaved shaved side of the head they like slowly lower it I, I think you look good it is okay yeah I know you do Abiku thank you uh hmm. food yes let's eat this yeti pelt or that stew rather <clears throat> and Kost just, just kind of like shoves forward and like sits down at an empty seat randomly I think in front of Abiku's like little place setting that Gentle had put down and goes oh, oh shit sorry and gets up and sits down next to theirs I think V is like Costas last I'd seen you you were with the chrysalis weren't you helping I out <clears throat> I was on my way to the chrysalis I went to Dabathati stood in their stupid soup line for like a million years and then I finally asked to see their priest or whatever and they said that I had to sign a contract but I thought that was super sketchy and then I did a bit of snooping around and I saw a bunch of dead people in cages so I decided to fuck out of there and I came here oh. because you and Costas kind of points at Oka had left me Dr. Luso's address so you're welcome for that by the way it's nice I, to hear I someone make good decisions Someone made good decisions. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Costa says, as like Voska very like elegantly settles down, I think in the middle of her seat and <sighs> gestures for you, Abiku, to also sit. I was worried about being awkward, but you all seem quite tense. Well, like I said, some of us are making good decisions and some of us, V kind of like shoots an eye at uh, Sit Lolly. That kind of stuff. That is what I mean. That are, are we not all allies to Andaka here? Gentle, you have just, a hand just, up? Just, yeah. Gentle. What, what's with uh, the... I just wanted to formally greet you to, uh, hi, I'm Gentle. Um, and it it's nice to, to, know, to get to know you, and I hope you enjoy uh, eating and dinner with all of us. Yes, I do enjoy eating. Yes, actually, speaking of which, everyone, please dig in. Please, please, please go ahead. Uh, eat, eat. And, like, Dr. Luso gestures toward all the food, and Squeak goes, finally, and, like, grabs, like, a huge, like, poor conch and starts biting into it. Do, do anyone else here have names? I've got many names, but uh, you can call me V. Oh, that is good. Uh, do I need the other names or just the one? If you ever hear my, me refer to myself by some other name in public... Go with that name. That's the best rule of thumb. Okay, good to know. Uh, should we actually go around the table and introduce ourselves formally uh, in the order? Thank you, gentle, that you've set up. Uh, I suppose I get started. You all know me. Of course, I'm Dr. Luso. Uh, oh, yes, a strike team A. Uh, new development. I didn't get to update you during our most recent scry before you traveled back here uh, from Morose. Um, I'm now part of the Alliance of the Eight. Um, it's that uh, cooperative of leaders across the eight nations I was telling the three oh. of you about last we spoke. But I'm I'm officially a, a voting part of it. That's fantastic. So this is the celebration. Oh, not not just for me, but for everyone, because we're all here and we're all back, uh, and we're all together, which is good, which is great. I'm so happy we're all here, and I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to pass along introductions to I suppose um, uh, oh, Oka. Oh, you didn't, uh, um, 
Uh, and they look at Jaron with a desperate get me out of this look. Don't be right. so humble, Prince. Use Shut your full title. Shut up, Sitlali. Right. Uh, it's nice to meet you, Abiku. I'm Jaron. I am with the, I guess, Strike Team C now? The Hounds of Mercy. Uh, hi again. I'm Gentle, uh, resident herbalist of the Hounds of Mercy. So if you need some tea that'll help you feel better, I can help with that. Uh, and I just kind of look at Sitlali desperately. I'm Sitlali, but I also have several names, and similarly to V, if you hear me go by another one in public, go with that. I am the Hound's resident, um, heal shit, but also kill shit. I thought we were using our full titles, Sitlali. Don't you have something to add? I'm also second in command. Yes. Of uh, the Hounds of Mercy, of which I am the first in command. Hello, my name is Mercy. I lead the Hounds of Mercy. We're a monster hunting slash mercenary group. Pre-cataclysm, post-cataclysm, I guess we're strike team C. Because, uh, yeah, this cataclysm shit sucks rocks and we want it to stop. <clears throat> uh, and Mercy looks at Dewey. <laughs> I think Dewey looks up from a piece of food he's been crunching on, and he's like, I'm, I'm Cardio. Uh, I'm a scientist, I guess. Um, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet everyone. I'm in Abiku. I'm from Strict Team A, I'm told. We were the first ones sent out to help the doctor. Um, these are for you, and Abiku starts, has like seeds in her hand, and like picks up a seed, and Drew casts it into a flower, like a little daisy. If you could all take one and pass it down. Oh, yes. How wonderful, Abiku. Thank you. Uh, yeah, as like the flowers and the seeds start rotating and Rev just sort of chimes in and says, I'm Rev. Used to be dead. Now I'm not. Now I'm back. Paragon of the oh. Raven Queen. Uh, V's girlfriend. Oh, yes. Lovely. That is interesting. The two of you should talk. Uh, Dr. Luso gestures to Rev and Abiku and like makes like kind of like finger waving noise, like gesture. And Rev looks puzzled. Um, but maybe after dinner. Yes, maybe after dinner. I don't know why we would talk. Uh, you know what? Y you're, you're right, Abiku. I'll let that be a, a you, a you decision. I won't force you to do anything. Uh, yes, seeds and flowers for everyone. Mercy and I are also dating. Yes. We are. We have been for a while now. Is Not that it's a competition. Any, is anyone else dating? Well, Jaron just looks over at Oka. Oka also looks over at Jaron. I. Uh, Oka and I are. Yeah, that's. We. Are. We are. Is it official now? Jaron takes Oka's hand in theirs. Uh, they look yes. startled. Uh, yes, <clears throat> it is. So you can all stop make, making fun of me now. Okay, thank you. No, that's that's still gonna happen. No, it doesn't. Is that the royal decree? Because you're a prince. Not you. Don't. Yeah. I just met you. You have to think. On is that not right? Is that a joke? No, it's not a joke. It's oh. not a joke. I'm but sorry. you don't want to be a prince. And Oka stares into the middle distance, <laughs> reliving all of Arc 4 and the last seven years of their exile. And then they come back. Why don't you have a heartbeat? What do you mean? 
Are you talking to me or the who? Your heart hasn't beat once since you came in here. I assure you it's beating just fine. I have news. Dr. Luso cuts in. I have news uh, that I want to share with all of you. Huh, uh, important news, actually. I wanted to share it after dinner and maybe after a few days, but I think it's good, it's good to share now. Um, so, uh, Strike Team B, Okamaniya. Well, Manaya's got, but we have another Manaya, but she's with her parents in the shack. It's a long story. Um, Uka Dewey v. Rev. During the carnival, uh, I told you all that my machine that sensed the cataclysm was, uh, disabled uh, by a wave. Uh, that that shot out from the chasm while you were in the carnival and i've spent the past couple weeks months repairing the machine as the hounds are aware i've spent basically uh, pretty much every day down in my lab trying to repair it and i have uh i finished repairing it yesterday and i got it to work again and i got some readings that are a little concerning um Remember how on the eve of the cataclysm, I told you all, and Abiku, you know this as well, Costas Vasca, that another cataclysm was due in about three and a half years, about a year ago. So now it's been almost a year, so two and a half years, an even worse cataclysm than the one before. And now I think we can extrapolate that means the stranger is going to come again. Uh, well, turns out I wasn't wrong, but data has changed um, that next spike is due for eight months that is much sooner yes much sooner hmm. basically after adolin this year we'll have until adolin next year before the stranger comes again presumably how are your calculations so far off they weren't things have changed is this is this because of the paragons I don't know. That's the only difference, right? The only variable? The god shards being united with their paragons, maybe it's accelerating the timeline. Yes, that has to be it. But I don't know why or how or what the relationship is or if the stranger's monitoring our progress uh, from maybe from the nothing plane. I don't know. Is the stranger a god, perhaps? Maybe it's looking for its paragon. The stranger's paragon? That's... And Dr. Lizard gets kind of a faraway look and shakes their head. I don't think that's... That wouldn't make sense. Well, what about the work of, like, the Chrysalis? When I was there, they've been doing experiments. We also know the URL, but I saw the Chrysalis firsthand, the things that they were doing. Could that be any part of the equation, speeding this up? Or It's extremely possible that what the Chrysalis is up to in Dabathati that you did witness firsthand, V, is maybe helping to accelerate this process. There's just too many unknown variables. I, I don't know why. I can definitely try to find out why, but I don't think my calculations will be wrong again. Now that my monitoring machine is up and ready, I'll be able to track any changes in real time and get to know if that deadline is pushed up even more. V, you mentioned the, that you saw the chrysalis firsthand? Oh yeah, it used to be one of their prophets. I, uh... I... You were working the good for, word. You yeah. were working for the, the stranger. Well, I didn't know it was a stranger at the time. It would seem like a, just a really good idea to try to make friends with what seemed to be some people who were helping doing good things in Tabathati. You know, 
feeding the poor, providing places for people to live, creating monsters in their basement. Uh, you know, they were, just... doing, they were doing what? Uh, Wait, you saw that too? Says Costas. Yes, I. And you didn't. So... You, you, and Costas actually bangs their hand down, like on the table, rattling some of the knives, and like half gets up. And you went and what? You allied with them? Look, I found myself in the basement. I found um, Adam, who seems to be at least somewhat in charge, although upon further discussion with many other people seeming to work with the stranger, uh, Adam seems to be kind of small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. But uh, we needed we needed someone, we needed a little bit of help in Dabathati, and I made a quick alliance. See, uh, we got... We got you made an alliance with the chrysalis. Look, at the time we didn't know much about what was going on. You motherfucker! And Costas is, <laughs> raises their right hand, and like an ice spike, like punches out of their glove, like, and they like start to leap across the table at you. Gerard okay, has one of those too. In the way. <laughs> Gerard is getting in the way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's gonna dimension door like much like to the opposite side of the room. Abika's <laughs> gonna like hold Costas. Costas, we we talked about your anger. I know, I know, but isn't this a proper time to get angry? This person that we're supposed to work for worked with the fucking chrysalis, who's in cahoots with the stranger. We help the doctor, and we are at their home for dinner. This is not right. Look, look, Costas, Costas. If it's any consolation. The cleric they gave us is a puddle of goo on the floor somewhere in the mines, and I tried- I f fireballed Adam in his office! Did you kill him? Wait. No! Didn't even come close. He's- he's a bit stronger than I gave him credit for, let's say that. Probably not a good idea to take him head on by yourself. Just putting that out there, sit lolly. Costas like sits back down, talked down by Abiku and Jaron, and there's like a shing noise as like the ice knife goes back into their hand. Uh, presumably like their entire right side is made of ice. Lolly just kind of leans into Mercy and whispers, so I'm not the worst one here, right? Uh, I wouldn't try to make this into a competition, darling. That's not a yes. You're, you're not the worst one here. Thank you. Meanwhile, V's over by Rev, like, I'm not the worst person here, am I? No, of course not. not. Of course. I mean, I mean, Sitlali and I made up, but she did try to kill me, and I think she still does, but she can try. She won't. I mean, come on. At least I haven't tried to kill a paragon. Yay, me! Speaking uh. of paragons, and it's actually Voska who chimes in, and this entire time has just been eating, has just been chopping food up and eating very carefully, like, not bothered at all. Uh, Dr. Aluso, you mentioned that Strike Team B was comprised completely of paragons to us during one of our scrying sessions. Is this true? And their mismatched eyes flick up and settle onto each of you. Oka, Dewey, V, and Rev. Dr. Aluso says, yes. And Voska gives just a very small smile at that. I see. Well, Abiku Costas and I bring news from Morose as well. The god shard of Nitbuza has been settled. That's an interesting choice of word. 
Want to elaborate on that? Perhaps it's better if I just show you. And Vasca raises a hand, and all of you feel the weave just kind of like tighten and vibrate, and sort of shimmering into existence in their hand is a rope dart. Uh, they're holding on to like the handle of what appears to be like a, a, a dagger or a knife, uh, but the end of the dagger has like a thread coming out of it, like a thick rope, right? And the rope ends up lashing around their wrist, right? And the actual dart part of the rope dart uh, is made of like what appears to be clarified ice. It's just this pure translucent, like glass-like material. Uh, and it's sort of like shimmering and like vibrating with magic. The Paragon's in here. So Oka, Dewey, V, and Rev. As soon as Vasca sort of summoned this rope dart, you all felt the weave sort of like, a few of its threads just sort of pluck. I think vibrate and resonate within you. And I think you understand intuitively what's happening here, right? You understand now who Vasca is and what she houses within her soul. This is Parable. She is my Paragon weapon. It's so lovely to meet another Paragon. That's a very lovely weapon you have there. Thank you. Judging by the colors of your eyes, I want to say Scott and Nectus. And with that, there's like a little flick of the wrist and Gamble shows up in her hand. Yep, this is Gamble. And she's like just flickering through all these tarot cards. My new best friend, Gamble. Always a pleasure to pull a card from this deck. And then Fushikun goes away in a flourish again. Yes, Nibiza has told me many stories about each of the Paragons. Not who you are currently, but who all of us used to be. And you had introduced yourself as the Paragon of the Raven Queen. <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to summon Grimm, though, because it'll probably knock Dewey out. It's a big scythe. Sorry. Don't worry about it. As for the two of you, and Vasca's mismatched gaze falls upon Oka and Dewey. I think this whole time, like since Dr. Luso's eight months, Oka has just kind of been catatonically staring at the kebabs that they were eating. Even when, like, Costas tried to jump across the table, they only, like, sort of looked up and then looked back down. And they, like, finally just kind of come up. And these, like, they, they regard Vasca carefully and they go, seven out of eight. And these little, little tiny red lightning bolts kind of, like, flick up their wrists and, like, just kind of, like, crawl up their arms until they just kind of, like, discharge off their shoulders for half a silk. Have a moment. I'm mismatched. Is that Vinash? But you're not. Who do you belong to? Sen. And it's only Vinash. The rest of Yudabathi is somewhere else. <laughs> a fragment of a fragment. And what about you? And Vasca's gaze falls upon Dewey. Dewey has similarly been uh, sort of just staring down into the plate this whole time. And when Vasca says his name, he sort of looks up and looks around and sort of looks at himself. I'm supposed to be the paragon of Kaltanger, I guess. Hmm. You're certainly different from Karvash, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Why do you say you guess? Takto Akagan also claims that title. I see. Well, in all of the stories of the Paragons, none of them have ever spoken about Paragonhood being transferred. 
or altered. If fate has chosen you, then fate has chosen you, and we must walk toward that destiny unafraid. Unafraid. Right. So you know, then? Of course. I have, ever since Nietbuza and I met each other. Rather, I think perhaps a part of me suspected ever since I started having those dreams. And Oka looks at Dr. Eluso and fixes them, I think, with the most like intensity that they have before. Did you know? Uh, know what, Oka? That were sacrifices. That the Paragons are supposed to die. Have you just been going around looking for us to put us on the altar? Oka, I... And they... Oh, Oka's gonna ruin dinner. I knew it. Uh, They stand up, shove their plate away, uh, and walk out. Oh, Oka, wait. Please, uh, keep eating. And Dr. Luso gets up and runs after Oka. I look at Gentle. Are things always like this with all these people? Um, more often than, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Welcome. I guess I've been away. I didn't have a chance to meet everyone. I thought they would be nice. It's not that they're not nice. It's that they, it's hard for them to let themselves be nice. There's a lot of, lot of layers here. Would you like some tea? Yes. Let's maybe go make some. And I just sort of like, if Abiku wants to follow me to the kitchen, we'll make tea and let everyone else have bad vibes. Uh, yeah, I think we follow Oka and Dr. Luso out. Oka, are you storming out of the cottage? I think so, because the second that they get out, there is a lightning bolt, I think, that just kind of like goes right up. And I think they were holding onto it. They didn't want to do that in front of Sit Lolly, but I think they can't hold it in uh, once they're outside and it just like cracks off into the atmosphere and they just kind of like stand there heaving and they turn as soon as Dr. Luso comes outside. And as that bolt of lightning crimson strikes onto the ground, scorching the earth. And then you hear Dr. Luso's voice go, Oka, wait, please. I, where, where am I going? Where would I even go? Where would I go? There's nowhere else. There's nowhere else to go, right? Only one way, only one way out of this. Oka, please, you, you have to understand. I was, I was doing what I thought I was right. I was going to tell you, I just, I, I didn't find the right time, and then you found out, and, I mean, Rev knew from the beginning, and a part of me thought that maybe you would intuitively know, and we didn't have to have this conversation, but obviously I was wrong. I am a very bad dream prophet. Dream blessed is not a title that I carry, Doc. It's not. And it never will be. I'm sorry, I... Eight months is no time. There's no time. Uh, the, the, I, I just found the hounds again. I I just met these people and, and, and I just got it back. I just got my family back, my, my home, everything that I've wanted. I just got it. Y- you, I just met you. I, I want 
It doesn't matter what I want. And they trail off. Oka, none of this is fair. None of it. You didn't ask for this. None of you did. <laughs> none of us on Endake asked for the cataclysm. But this is the way things are. And maybe... They look really hesitant to share this next part. Like, they really don't want to say it. Maybe there is... There might... There may be alternatives. Okay? We shouldn't keep that door closed. But I don't want to give you false hope. Okay? I don't want to promise something that I can't do. I can't have hope. I need to bury it. I hope you understand. I do. I do. Um, Oka, it's, it's, it's very cold. Do you need a minute, or, um, do you want to go back inside? I fucking hate the cold. I shouldn't have come out here. I'm sorry. Uh, it gets... It's easier, but harder to tell where I begin and where Vinash ends. Sometimes the, the rage just gets so loud, I can't think of anything else. Did I ruin dinner? No, 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 you didn't. I think dinner was ruining itself. Um, but that that's okay. Uh, we'll have a couple of days before we have to go off and do our own things. And Oka, um, if the rage gets too loud, I know I won't always be there in person, but... And Dr. Luso reaches out a hand and folds your hand in, in theirs. And it's like the one like point of warmth in this swirling chill all around you and the darkness. Maybe you can hold on to me? Yeah. Sh sure. Uh, what did I say? Our guiding star, right? <laughs> I, I wouldn't call myself that. Big, big shoes to fill. And yet, here you are. Uh, let's, uh, we can go back inside. Yes, let's. Oh, it's awfully cold out here. C come on. They thread their fingers through yours, and they, like, pull you back toward the front porch. Uh, and back inside, back inside the cottage, while Dr. Aluso and Oka were out and talking, Abiku, as you're eating, as you're munching away, uh, I'm gonna need you to make a performance check for me, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. I can super do that. I have a plus to performance. Anyone who wants to can roll insight. V rolls a 13. Okay. 22 for Jaron. Not 20. one. <laughs> that's that makes sense though. That makes sense. That's good. That's that's that sounds on brand. Uh I got a 16. 23. Dewey, what'd you get? 19. So everyone except Gentle thinks something really So Abiku, why don't you tell us what's kind of suspicious about the way you're eating? I have been uh, cutting the same piece of food and pantomime eating it. <laughs> so you like cut a piece of food and you put it on your fork and I like, like it seems like I'm like really keyed in, like talking the gentle, like someone's fucking normal here, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> like the doctor left, so I guess I'll talk to you. And just like 
talking and like having a good time, so I just like keep like cutting and like picking up like I'm gonna eat it and then I go back to cutting. Sitlali leans into Mercy and just goes like to her ear quietly. I just need to check something really fast. Cover me. And behind like her draws sort of like a divine sigil in the air. The multicolor flavor that their magic kind of has and uses eyes of the grave which allows me to magically detect undead within 60 feet of me that aren't behind cover okay mercy just suddenly starts going ah ah uh, to sports to 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 the desert ball desert ball is a sport i made up in my wanton youth uh, where You're not you you helping me? You I, kill. Why are you doing this to me? You you kill a bulette and you take its I, liver and you blow it up. Jesus uh, Christ! And you punt it around. And I think at this point the sigil has been drawn, and bing! It's sort of like a water droplet going on to like a, the calm surface of of a pond. And as it ripples out, two things light up. Uh, what's the range on Eyes of the Grave? Sixty feet. Okay, then only two things light up. Uh, the first is Rev. You know, which yeah. makes sense. She's a revenant. Yeah. Rev is, is cutting things up and eating, though. She's, like, actually eating and, like, talking with yeah. me. The other thing that lights up is a biku. Okay. Sitlali looks at, to see if Rev has noticed anything. Yeah, Rev, Rev is eating, you know, like, some sort of, like, pig haunch or whatever. Like, whispers something in V's ear and then looks up. And seems to be like staring at a biku between whispering to V. And I think we swing over to V and Rev, and Rev's going, Yeah, uh, she's definitely undead. That's... Don't worry, don't worry, I'm not gonna try to date her. Don't worry. That's not what I'm. Should we bring it up or. It feels like something that will come up. Like, we don't. Let's not talk about things. <laughs> that that seems to be getting us ahead real real well right now, not actually talking about what's going on. Aha. Uh, -huh. uh okay, yes. Let's just uh keep an eye on her. She seems harmless, though. But most of the other well, undead I've met are not. Well, you know, give give people a chance to show you who they really are. Well, it depends on the kind of undead she is. If she's a revenant like me, then that's dangerous. I don't like the other revenants I've met. Interesting. Oh, well, you know. If she's a vampire, that could also be a problem. If she's a white, I don't think she's a lich. I mean, liches are rare. So, Abiku, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where do you come from? Well, I was here before I went up to Moraz, and before that I did some traveling. Where did you come from when you began your traveling? Um, the court. Really? Yes. What part of the court? Um, spring. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Rev and I are from the court. We oh, are. fascinating. We must have missed each other. We've all been on the road so long. You know, when you said you're from the Court of Spring, that's not actually a location in the court. Did you mean that you left the court when you were young? Yes. Sorry, I, I you carried a yeti, you know, a few thousand m meters. 
it's it's very exhausting carrying Yeti. I, I assume I'd never yes. done it, but I've done it. Says Mercy. Two Yetis at once. Actually, I've carried. Please wrestled tell myself. The story. Ah, uh, yes. Actually, why don't I? Um, uh, and like. <laughs> Mercy launches into a story about like wrestling two yetis on her own when she was dating Gcast. This is, this is when Ibiku gets up with gentle coming <laughs> And this is also when Oka and Dr. Luso come back in. I think also it seems like the meal portion is done so V is going to grab the boxes which are full of desserts and starting to set those out. There's a, uh, a mango pudding with coconut milk and set, so it's dairy free. There's a some almost like banana. F- There's like chulong and desserts that she purchased are in these very elaborate serving platters and bowls. And uh, there's also some like sponge cake type stuff. And she just sets them across the table for people to take as they want. Yeah, V, as you sort of set the desserts out, like Dr. Luzo comes in, there's a gust of wintry air, then a as like the door closes behind them. And they sort of like kind of surreptitiously unthread their fingers uh, from where they're holding Oka's, I think. Uh, not... Uh, on purpose, but I think just because they gesture. They say, ah, hello everyone, we're back. Uh, not to panic, everything's good. Where's Gentle and Abiku? Baking tea, one could only assume. Ah, yes. Uh, okay, great. Oh, looks like desserts are out. Are these from you, V? Thank you so much. How thoughtful. Yes, enjoy, enjoy. These are some of the best that, uh, that in Ducal. All of, uh, they're top of the, I spent many gold She's, on them. She stole them from the dining hall in the palace. I don't steal everything. Yeah, but you stole those. Yeah, she stole those. Sorry, V. Hate to blow up your spot. That's okay. I like to keep in the gold anyway. Uh, well, stolen or not, I'm sure the royal palace of Tulong can suffer a few missing Hawthorne candies. Thank you. Tell that to the seventh spouse. <sighs> <laughs> Sitlali and Voska and Oka. Can the three of us parlay after dessert? By parlay, do you mean are you gonna shove the chisel back in my chest and hope it goes? Yes. Uh, Voska, I was telling Voska about you, Oka, actually. Um, so the soul thing, I was wondering if you could diagnose, because you know a lot more about sea and soul than I do. Uh, yes, of course, Doctor. I'll be more than happy after dessert. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, all right then. Uh, Hawthorne candy for me. And Dr. Luzo strides forward and starts unwrapping some of the candies and pastries. We pan up toward the kitchen door and we push through it, where we see like a kettle of tea, like boiling water, like being put on the stove, and we see gentle, as well as striding in through the door, a biku. You want to hide with the tea? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to get some for everybody, but I also wanted to ask you what kind of tea you prefer. I've managed to get, I mean, I know what that sounds like, and I mentioned to get a decent read on everyone else, but I know what kind of tea you liked. Really, any will do fine, as long as I can thank it first. Hmm. Do you like mint? Sure. Alright, uh, Gentle starts preparing, like, a bunch of things of tea for everybody. How are you, by the way? I, you, I've met a lot of new people, and I'm honestly a little overwhelmed, but, um, you seem nice and not, uh, angry? Or sad? Um, I get by. You, you know, we one day at a time. Um, my mother always said. Was there a part two to that? Um, <clears throat> no. Is that the mint you are going to use? 
yeah yeah um can it, i see it's, it uh yeah of course and i uh hand uh hand her the mint and she cups it in her hand and she whispers and i don't think in anything gentle and understand but she's says uh cast speaker plants and says thank you for your gift and then hands it back so gentle you speak every language right i understand every spoken language yes the tongue that Abiku speaks is not a language you recognize. The language Abiku uses sounds. I'll let you. I'll let you make an intelligence history check. Nope, that's an eight. <laughs> an eight. I've okay. twice. It's been a one two. Um, it sounds really old. It sounds like an archaic form of some Andakan languages matched together. It's really cool. You can talk to plants. I think so too. Not a lot of people have been into it. I, I, I have a lot of care and love for nature. Um, you know, being a herbalist, I like to respect the world around me as much as I can. Um, and just remind me of a friend of mine who also like could breathe life into stuff and talk to things. It was really cool. Um, oh, they yeah. sound lovely. I, but no, they, I do not have a part two. That's the thing, right? The one day at a time. Fair. Yes. Yeah. I've he- I have heard that. Uh, but how are how are you? You don't seem you are with all those people, and you don't seem sad or angry. And everyone out there seems kind of sad or angry, except Vaska, who just seems scary. I if I had to say on Team Angry or Team Sad, I guess I am a little bit of both today. Uh, my my wolf, my dire wolf bud, got taken a while ago, and. I haven't had a chance to go get him back, and he's kind of like a son to me, but uh, we plan on getting him back, and I will. And Miku goes to grab you by the face. Mm-hmm. If you need any help recovering your companion, I will suffer any hardship you need. I will raise this earth until he is found. Gentle looks like they're about to cry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I... I mean, I'd rather today just because I think everyone else is already stressed. Focus on, like, the cool things about Bud. Because uh, he can also talk, like, how we can talk, which is really I, cool. That is useful. I have a friend, but they seem they can only talk to me. No one else understands them. But they do talk. I mean, he knows a little Morosi, and then he can also speak just kind of with everybody. Oh, the language! Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I should but... ask the doctor for some books. I mean, I, I need to make sure you get to meet Bud eventually. I'm first, sure. First trip back. Well, when dinner is over, I think my friend would like to meet you too. Okay. Everyone else seems a little like that, but you seem okay. You too. I, Thank you. I've been trying to introduce myself as friends to people, and uh, do you want to be my friend? Sure. I Now I have four friends. I'm glad I can be the fourth? Maybe? I think fourth. Yes. That would be weird if you were third, because then I would see the future. And I have a hard enough time with the not future. Yeah, I get that. I can, um... I can also talk to birds. I can ask if they've seen your wolf, and if they have, I can make sure they let you know. Oh, thank you. I would like to, I wish I could talk to animals more. It'd be really cool. I 
don't know how to teach people. I just do it. No, I, I don't I get know it. how it works. I assumed everyone could do it until the doctor said that was not true. We'll have to talk to Doctor O and see if we can figure out how to make everyone understand birds. It seems useful. Um, it. I think your kettle is ready. It's boiling yeah. over. Um, and then yeah, no, I get all the teas set up. I assume like. Does Dr. O have specialty mugs for people? Yes. Yes, they do. Thank you. <laughs> so then I get everyone uh, tea in their specialty mug. Cute. Do you take the tea out maybe like on a tray or something and like exit out into the dining room? Yeah, I think like Gentle's one-handing one it. I think I, if the dice help me, I'm dexterous enough to do that on any normal day. Okay, why don't you make an acrobatics check <laughs> to hold everyone's tea? This is a real life trait I know, so Gentle better be able to. That's a 25. Thank you. Yes, effortlessly, flawlessly, you bust the teas out into out into the dining dining area where Dr. Luso and Oka have just come in and Dr. Luso sat down back at their seat and is like eating dessert that V has brought out. Oh, Gentle, there you are. And uh, Abiku, hi. Have the two of you been getting to know each other? Yes. Um they seem nicer than everyone else that is here. Do you whisper it like in a like yeah. you're trying to disguise it, but everyone hears yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, I try and whisper it, but I'm eight feet tall <laughs> and have zero social cue. Yes, your voice carries. I, I think you ju- you learned how to whisper from Vasca. <laughs> like Vasca taught you that sometimes you can't say things <laughs> out loud to people, uh, but you're not very good at it. Oh, uh, yes, gentle is very well gentle. Everyone can attest to that, yes? Oh, is that how names work? Uh, not always, but sometimes. Oh, yes. Definitely has a face of like, I get it. Bosca chime, uh, pipes up actually and says, Abiku, I'm glad you've made a new friend. Yes, I have four now. Oh, I feel very privileged to count myself amongst those four. Yeah, you were two. Oh. All three. And she kind of looks at her hand. Hi, friends. <laughs> Costas goes, did you forget about me? No. What's that, Doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. I love how you were like, no, Abika doesn't have any problems. And uh, I was just saying, and Dr. Luso jumps to your rescue. The first person who's more socially awkward than Dr. Luso. Uh, gentle, thank you so much for the tea for everyone. I... Really appreciate it. Oh, and he brought out the mugs that I made for everyone, too. Yeah, um, I... Yeah, no, these are really nice mugs, by the way. Can you show me how to make those? Yes, we just need a kiln and some glaze and some mud. Uh, everyone, hi. Once again, I'm gentle. I kind of wanted to do a, a little toast if that's okay. Please, go for it, gentle. Um, okay. Um, I just wanted to say... That despite all of our differences, I'm really glad to be here and to help save all of Ndake. And I know today things might be tense and tough and we might have a lot of things to uh, to work through and deal with. But I feel confident that by the time we save the world, we will have saved the Paragons and ourselves. And I can't wait to share this adventure with everyone here. And then I sit down. Does Abiku just straight up start clapping? 
Mercy, Mercy looks really amused, and she also starts clapping. She like bangs like a stein of like mug like on on the table. Yeah, go gentle. Nico starts like, banging a stein on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Oka will do it too. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, Mercy's the person you want to learn social cues from. That that's the correct person. <laughs> yeah, everyone starts. <laughs> It's banging steins of, of mug and non-alcoholic beer as well, like on the table uh, as Gentle finishes out their speech. Oh, what a lovely toast. Thank you so much, Gentle. Don't mention it. Yes, uh, to the Paragons and to all of us as well. And to Andake. And to our loved ones. And to, you know what? I'm not going to try to one-up Gentles. That was perfect. Uh, to Gentle. To Gentle. To Gentle. To Gentle. <laughs> Gentle. Did Dewey and Jerron not say it? I just, I did not know if we wanted to go there. Okay, yeah, obviously it does. <laughs> Dewey lifts his mug up in solidarity. Yeah, we all, we all drink. We all drink to gentle. Cute. I think on everyone sipping their mugs of tea out of their specialty mugs, uh, which maybe, <laughs> maybe if we hit a thousand, I will release our specialty mugs on our Etsy store. <laughs> A thousand dollars tonight. I promise I will. Um, do you know how to do pottery? No. <laughs> no, I don't. My, my partner knows how to do pottery. Listen, we've got an in. A thousand bucks tonight and we'll release, we'll release limited edition specialty mugs on our Etsy. Um, uh, on everyone drinking, right? Drinking to gentle. We are going to cut now to maybe like an hour later. 90 minutes later like a little bit of time has passed people have settled in the ice has been broken people continue to pick away at dinner some people evacuate the dining table to like go hang out in like dr Uso's office or like to check out books and scrolls or whatnot or to just warm up by the fire um but we're gonna push past the fire past the hearth past the the owlbear rug on the floor and the desks and the tables uh to a little door in the corner of the living room. And we open up the door and we see like a flight of stone stairs leading into a basement area. We push down these stairs into Dr. Aluso's private laboratory, where we see like a large space filled with all sorts of gadgets and machines, bubbling vials of mysterious liquids, cases and cases full of books and ingredients, right? Big armoires just full of drawers of stuff, material components, spell work, books about theory and thaumaturgy and whatnot. And we see that a space has been cleared in the middle with a uh, healing sigil drawn onto the ground and a little, I think like a I guess an operating table, let's say, uh, has been rolled out and placed in the middle and the wheels locked in. And lying upon this operating table is Oka with like various little like machines that look very intimidating next to you, beeping a tray of just like arcane ingredients, sort of like the experiments room in The Witcher, uh, where they just have like a bunch of like monster parts and weird crystals and ground up herbs and whatnot. It's sort of like that. And standing sort of around you are Dr. Aluso, Vasca, and Sitlali. Oka has their shirts gone. They're kind of like laying there really awkwardly. And the only thing that they're still wearing is this like silver, one of Jaron's silver threads, which is holding a chisel the chisel from the Paragon Killer, which is gold. And it is also wrapped with this like really bright, almost like gold foil, but more transparent. And it's also kind of liquidous or airy. 
and it's like wrapped around the chisel kind of like swirling up and down piece of their soul and they're just kind of like fiddling absently with it on top of like this this total mess of scar tissue like i think mercy would take the hounds to like bathhouses and stuff right so it's not the first time that Oka's scars have been on display, but it the knot work seems deeper. It seems like more intense and there's more of it. Like somehow there's actually more of it. Like they got punched through the chest like several more times since Sitlali has been gone, which they have, or since Oka's been gone, which they have. And they're just kind of awkwardly like fiddling with it and looking, bouncing their eyes between the three people kind of hovering around them. Voska steps forward glances at Dr. Lusso and says, So, you said that their tea was blocked. Uh, yes, I'm no tea or soul expert, but that was my preliminary assessment when Oka came to me well, so many months ago at this point. Understood. Let's take a look, shall we? And Voska sort of, like, twists their wrists and parable their rope dart shimmers into existence again. And they sort of, like, uh, drop the dart, I think, above your chest, but it sort of floats, suspended by magic. And it begins to glow, kind of like an iridescent shimmer, like the point sort of just bouncing above, like, your sternum. And as it glows, uh, Oka, you feel almost like it's a magnet pulling something up to the surface of your skin, right? And Vosica just goes, don't struggle. It'll make it hurt more. Oka looks like they want to start struggling, but they try really hard not to. Uh, the feeling is very uncomfortable. Not quite painful, but definitely verging on painful. It's like your soul is being drawn up uh, and out of your pores so it can be looked at, right? Voska like sort of like orchestrates, like with uh, almost like moving their hands in a very fluid, very graceful and elegant way as the the tip of the dart continues to bob above your above your chest. And we see seeping out of your your pores on your exposed torso, light, iridescent and shimmering, like threads of like uh, Aurora Borealis just coming out of your body and just sort of sort of ambiently glowing like above the hollow of your chest and we see several different colors a lot of it is blue there's kind of like a blue light like above your chest and threaded through with lots of gold as well uh as well as like cracks and and lightning streaks of red and sitlali when you see the streaks of red maybe i think like a part of you sort of knows that that's vinosh right maybe shudders in response to that as well sitlali is leaning on a cane that they did not previously have. And it looks like going down the stairs may have taken like a lot out of them, but they are so like paying so much attention and they're kind of like, am I here to study or am I supposed to be emotionally supporting Oka? So they like take a step forward kind of hesitantly uh, on the other side of the table from Vasca, I think. I think as their soul gets dragged up, Oka is kind of like, their eyes are bouncing around and they look at Sitlali with this memory of a memory of the same kind of panic they looked at them with when they had their soul ripped out the first time and they found them. But there's also the separate panic of last time that happened, I almost killed you. Half of them seems to be asking for you to come closer and the other half is like telling you to like get back. That Lolly takes another step forward and says, hey, Prince asshole, it's gonna be okay. Uh, okay. Uh, why are there so many colors in there? 
We got a lot going on. That is something of an understatement, says Voska, the resident soul expert, as they continue to sort of play your soul like a, like a theremin. <laughs> yeah. Like the red light gets, you know, louder and then it gets quieter and then like the, the golden light gets brighter and then quieter. Like seem to be pulling on different parts of your soul, which feels um very weird, Oka. Your, your soul, Oka, isn't blocked. Your tea, rather. It's not blocked. It's shattered. You said you were gored by a Tealion? Yeah, and then stabbed with a Paragon-killing soul weapon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and the Tealion goring took what? Let me guess. Place eight, seven, seven, eight years ago? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so here's what's going on with your soul. When you were gored by the Tealion about seven or eight years ago, it shattered your soul into several different pieces. Uh, this is your soul. And they sort of pull almost like lackadaisically on, and you, I think you jerk a bit, uh, and you see like it, the blue part glow brighter. This is you, okay? But it was shattered seven years ago. And uh, you see hairline fractures or cracks running through the light. I suspect that many of those pieces actually went to the after. That is, you died. Uh, but something or someone was able to pull most of them back and suture them back together, which is <laughs> truly an insane endeavor uh, and would have probably taken a prodigious amount of effort and talent. It was my 12-year-old sister. Okay. So, your 12-year-old sister pulled most of your shattered soul back from the after. Why, why do you keep saying most of my shattered soul? What's that, then? Oh, this? And Voska pulls the gold part up, and, and that one glows as well. Yeah, that's the wrong piece. When the Tealion gored you and killed you, you killed it too, right? Yes. Okay, that's the Tealion soul. So what your 12-year-old sister did was, as both of you were dying, she pulled part of its soul into you and tried to sort of, like, stitch you back together, is my guess. Which means a part of your soul has been in the after for about seven or eight years, but you're sort of, um, there's a partial soul transplant here, right? You're part Tealion. Fuck. Yeah, that's not, um, that doesn't really happen. Outside no. of dark magic. So, I, I, I'm the phylactery of a dead lich Celian. It's complicated. Um, I don't think labels help here. I wouldn't call you a You're kind of half a phylactery, half a lich. Half the thing that was killed to make the lich happen. And also none of those things. Yeah, so ever since you became Partelian, you've basically been walking around with shattered tea from a shattered soul, partially sutured together with a fragment of a Telian's tea. Uh, which is probably why your, I mean, your temperament is the way it is, uh, because your sister, though she did save your life, she was still 12. Uh, she wasn't able to suture the, fr the fragmented pieces together completely. I can do that. I can make these disparate parts, these shattered fractures whole. I can basically seal up the cracks. Uh, but 
they she trails off. And Dr. Lucy says, but what? Will that fix Oka? I mean, will that make Oka... Will that unblock the tea? The after yes. is gone. I said, Lolly's right. The after's gone. We don't know what's going on with that part of Oka's soul. And we don't know what will happen if and when the after comes back after we defeat the stranger. Also, it won't matter because we'll die. What I can do is I can make your shattered parts whole. I can remove the cracks. But I honestly have no idea what will happen if I do that. Your tea will become unblocked, yes. And theoretically, it will be a better outcome than how you're walking around right now. There's also the matter of Vinash. Vinash is also in there. Uh, and Vasco sort of pulls up the red lightning and it kind of sparks. Yeah, be careful with that one. Yeah, I'll do 90% sure I'll be able to make everything whole without including Vinash. I'll also need that. And they point at the chisel with, you know, the gold thread. The part of your soul that was knocked out actually belongs to the Telian, but I need it to finish patching up the holes. So the other 10%, um, what's that look like? You said you were 90% sure you could do it without securing Vinash. What does the other 10% look like? 5% of that is I would bind Vinash into Oka irreparably, which means that Oka would basically become the shard of Vinash. The other 5% chance is I kill Vinash. Like I said, it's a 5% chance of that happening, and I'm pretty good at what I do. I've heard that before, and then seen some terrible shit go down. So, forgive my skepticism. Oka, Vasco looks down at you, and she's got like, she's been kind of treating you with kind of a brusque manner that doesn't really reflect the kind of elegant way that she was talking earlier. She looks out at you, and maybe you get a feeling that it's because you're the one who spilled the beans about Atalanta in such a callous way. Um, it's your decision. I mean, think about it this way. You're, all of us really, uh, but you especially are basically like a racehorse. Yes? And you have a broken leg. Usually, my recommendation is to just put the racehorse down. But the finish line is so close. We need you to run this final race. So let's just pump you full of drugs until we have to cart you off to the glue factory. I think that is weirdly a language that Oka speaks. And they nod. Would having some extra bits that aren't Vinash reduce that 5%? Absolutely not. I had part of my soul punched out of me and I would... I would rather. I'm pretty sure mine is already full of holes from what I did to myself, Oka, so I don't mind another. I'm offering up some of mine to help with the transplant to reduce the risk. Sitlali, it will help, but you have to understand the full risks of offering up part of your soul. I mean, this one doesn't involve me taking a monster into it, so go for it. I don't know what your story is, Sitlali, says Vaska. But if you were to do this and try to reduce that risk to zero, you might risk losing your connection to your own magic. You might risk blocking your own tea. Life just might get harder and more painful for you if you do this. And I think Sitlali throws their head back and laughs at that. How about this? I attempt the procedure without intervention, and if I need it, I'll ask you. Fine. 
Okay. Oka, are you ready? Um, I tried to make her comfortable. I, I, I took the pain away, so it was painless. I'm sorry. She was a good friend to us. She was good to us. Thank you. I'll see you on the other side. And Vasca sort of like closes their hand into a fist and you just sort of slip into unconsciousness. We pull up to the living room. While the soul surgery is taking place, I think amidst, you know, the winding down of the evening, we find Jaron. I think as everybody is sort of like helping clean up and putting stuff away, uh, Jaron is going to take another sort of like mug of like whatever we've been, like whatever juice or uh, sort of drink we've been having, takes one for themselves and then takes an extra and walks over to Dewey. I hear you're a researcher. Uh, I was. Mm, so what happened? Uh, well, you've heard of the URL, right? Yeah, they make really cool things from what I've heard. I was never really good with my hands and like make building things, but it seems like really exciting research. Uh, exciting is one way to put it. Um, they also make, you know, monstrosities and terrible things. Uh, the way that the chrysalis does. Are they making monsters too? Yeah, I'm not sure what their relationship is there, but yes, in that same vein. Oh, well. I didn't know that. Did you... Did you ever get close to that? You know, I was always more of a hardware sort of person, but I mean, I was... We weren't supposed to ask questions, um, but yeah, I found out that some... Not like the soul stuff, but some of the stuff that I made was used to commit atrocities against people, you know. And Jeron just kind of like <laughs> is holding his mug in his hand. And just kind of like nods slowly. Wow. Sorry, that's uh. No, that I'm. I'm sorry that your work was misused in that way. Yeah, well, it just makes me more careful about, more cognizant of what the stuff I do now has, like what it's being used for. Do you still make stuff? Uh, sometimes. I mean, it's a little bit harder now that I don't have the resources I had. Uh, at the URL, like. Can I see? Uh, I was gonna pull out. Sorry, I was gonna pull out the sword song, but I'm like, wait a second, that's broken and also has weird. Actually, yeah. Uh, let me show you this. This big. He pulls this big ass sword out. So it was originally just like a mechanical sword. It was protecting me when I was sleeping or whatever, and then it got bonked, and now it has like a. It's sentient or something. It's wait, you. You made a sword that's also a person? I didn't make it a person. I don't know if it's a person. Uh, I made it a machine, and then a desk fell on it, and now it talks to me. Did a desk fall on it after it became a person? No, it fell on it, and then immediately afterwards it became a person. Well, you know. Jaron, like, brings <laughs> his face down closer to the sword into his hands. I wouldn't. Just, just goes... Hello, sword. What? What's his name? Does it have a name? I've just been calling it my sword son. Uh, be careful, it loves violence. Uh, uh, hello, Dewey's sword son. How absolutely, are you? 
absolutely nothing happens. <laughs> I, it doesn't respond. You don't hear no. a voice in your head, Dewey. It doesn't quiver. Nothing. Um, nothing on your end? No. Uh, are you are you shy? I'm sorry. I don't mean to to make you uncomfortable. Maybe it's just you know children. They're they're they can be like that. Right. I actually I heard that you have a that you have a daughter. Doctor Aluso was mentioning it when we were all getting debriefed. I guess on. Oh, our uh, our personal histories are part of that debrief, huh? Not um, not anything in in depth. I just was told that you were that your father. I guess of two well, people now, like pointing at the sword. <laughs> it's complicated and he puts the sword back, I think. Yeah, I have a daughter, but um, I haven't really been in contact with her since the cataclysm or for a little while before that either. Is she okay? Um, it sounds like it. I just got the letter I got was telling me that she was fine, but also that the URL is setting up some shelters um in uhanahi which is not great the same people that are making yeah. the the okay yeah correct yeah that doesn't sound good no conflict of interest are you planning on going back for your daughter yes my original plan was like to f to fix to make right the stuff i did wrong with the url and then go back to her uh, and then the cataclysm happened and now I'm pretty sure the URL will shoot me on site if I get anywhere near them. But yes, Maybe, eventually. well, if you can figure out a way to get there, we actually, Gentle, stole a boat for us back in, near Uhanahi actually, while we, were, while we were over there. So if you ever need a transportation. Sorry, you stole a boat? Yeah, yeah, it's a long story. There was this person that was trying to kill us and so we took, she like put mind control over Mercy or something, so we we stole her boat. Either way, the the point being that there's transportation if you need it to go you have to. A boat. I mean, historically we don't treat boats very well. Um, uh, we blew up the last one, although it was you. It was a URL ship, so. Maybe um, you don't be the one that sails it then. No, we have Manaya. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you have to go back, right? It's your daughter. You're, you're gonna do whatever it takes to protect the people you love, right? I'm trying to. I think that's all we can do. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I know that. Um, just sometimes feels like that's not enough, you know? <sighs> can I ask you a question, Dewey? Sure. You're the paragon of Galtanger, right? Uh, probably. Probably? It depends on if I can prove to Taktoa Kagan she wants me to do some funny little challenge. Uh. Okay, well, presumably, <laughs> if you are the paragon of Galtanger and you have a daughter, what do you think of all of this? You know, your... I'm sure Oka must have told you about the Paragons and your fate. Yeah, I mean, we all have someone that we're doing all of this for, right? And for me, it's my daughter, and I wanted to, I just wanted to make things right and get back to her, and I don't know. I, like I said, with the challenge that the Kagan proposed, like, what if I don't succeed? 
and she takes over being a paragon, and I'm just some dude. I, and Jaron kind of like leans into Dewey at this point and like kind of lowers his voice. It seems like the paragons are chosen and people who think they're a paragon but aren't, it doesn't really work out very well from them. So, and then like leans back. I think given that you are the paragon of Galtanger, don't you think that your daughter deserves to have a father even after you've saved Andake? <laughs> uh, a father like me though. Ideally, yeah. That's why, you know, I was like, um, I built a god jar uh, to try and like store god shards and then it got stolen and used against me. Wait, we can do that? That's that's possible? I mean, I didn't test it out because it got stolen right before I got the chance to test it out. Um, okay, do we? I think we need to, I think we need to exchange notes. Okay, so point. like this isn't a terrible idea, right? No, no, that sounds, that actually sounds like a really good idea, because then if we could put the god shards into a jar, then the paragons wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to worry about yourselves, right? Yeah. See, like, no one else, this, this thread of logic just doesn't make sense to anyone else. No, I... okay, thank you. Okay, nobody else agrees with me as well that the paragons could theoretically live after this war that's supposed to happen, but I think with your idea, Dewey, I think there's something there. That's all I needed to hear. And I think Jaron like excitedly like pulls out um like a notebook and like starts showing Dewey like different like <laughs> research and like theories and like threads that he has been compiling at this point and is like asking Dewey to like share what he knows as well. Really impressive research. Thanks. I've had a lot of time to work on it. I think Jaron, as you're excitedly showing Dewey all this stuff. We pan to a different corner of the living room as you just start like spewing like theories at each other or mostly it's Jaron spewing it at Dewey and Dewey's just sort of sitting there like, okay. Uh, and we find V. V, why don't you tell us where you are in, in this space? Actually, could uh, V be outside with the chickens and maybe with the rev perhaps? I think V has used a sorcery point so she has cold resilience so she's fine outside she's with her chickens and rev and she's nervous but she's i think uh, after there's some like awkward tension between rev v and the chickens i think v, v is um thank you for coming to my wedding v uh <laughs> abyss the chickens uh with rev who i think like the her feather cape has gotten longer and thicker to sort of like accommodate the cold weather and it's sort of like wrapped around her. Uh, she almost kind of looks like Howl, you know, when Howl's like wings are like wrapped around himself and he's sort of like in crow in crow form. She sort of like huddles next to you. I, I appreciated you being at my, my wedding. I noticed that you seemed also a little off and I, I, know, I know you were fine about the wedding. Like, that's not an issue, but I, I wanted to... Maybe check in real quick about what you were feeling that day. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're... I wouldn't have missed your wedding. It's your wedding. I wouldn't have missed it for the world, of course. And Lotus makes you happy, so that's what's important, right? Um, hold on. Is this a what are we conversation? Uh, I thought we had that already. Okay, uh, well, um, you know, it's eight months We've got eight months, and 
uh, I made a, I did make a promise to you that you would always be number one, that you were my main person. And V uh, is fumbling in her pocket a little bit, and she's getting real nervous. Um, and I, you know, I just feel like it is unfair to not, um, well, um, and V uh, slowly goes down on a knee and she pulls out, uh, she's got a, a handful of the rings that she stole from one of the, you know, the, the royal, and she searches, she, she's like, I know it's here somewhere. She found like the biggest ring, the biggest ring. And she's like, I cannot go through these final eight months and face what we have to face without giving you this symbol. Rev, will you marry me? Uh, uh, <laughs> v, I, you, I, yes, yes, I will. And she, she bends down and she kisses you. Oh, and then, <laughs> um, I think at one point they start to go up and then V just like almost leaps into Rev's arms and Rev maybe carries V and V is just like just holding on so tight. I don't think Rev has ever felt V hug her this tightly before. Oh my goodness, what? V! Oh my god, yeah, Rev hugs you back and kisses you and just like holds you and squeezes you and then... Like, after, like, what feels like a million years and also no time at all, she sort of, like, like releases you, but still holds you close. Are you sure this is what you want with me? Look, I'm I'm under legal obligation to follow my heart, courtesy Scott of Nectus. <laughs> you gotta know, this is exactly what I want. It's what I want, too, but I didn't want to pressure you, and... I don't want it to be like I was copying Lotus, you know, because she did it first, but I love you so much. I, none of this in my life. When we were traveling here, I get, looked at you one night when you were sleeping and I was the happiest I've ever felt in my entire life. <laughs> and I wouldn't have that without you. So I want in these final eight months to just have that with you as much as possible. Me too. Me too, V. That's all, that's all I want. <laughs> Go out with a bang. Let's just make that the wedding party is uh, final showdown with the stranger. <laughs> what? It's gonna RSVP? <laughs> well, you know, it'd be quite the guest of honor. <laughs> you know what? Thank you, V. I, I feel, I mean, I've always loved you and I've always known that I love you and that you love me obviously but this this makes me feel good thank you thank you and rev just sort of leans down and kisses you again and like on the two of you kissing i think a flurry of snow comes down right and like wipes us into a later evening i think we open on oka's eyes opening up oka you sort of like come back into a fuller awareness of your body and you see three faces i think maybe like leaning over you looking down you see Vasca, dr luso and sitlali and the edges of dr luso's laboratory start drawing into closer focus right 
and Dr. Lusso sort of like their voice swims into consciousness and you, you hear that they've been saying, okay, are, are you okay? okay uh, can you hear me? Are you doing okay? Vasca, is everything okay? Are they okay? Uh, and I think Oka just like sits up and yes, they are going to accidentally headbutt all three of them somehow. Ah. Incredible. Beautiful. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, everything good? And I think when you speak, Vasca and Dr. Luso both narrow their eyes at you. Like kind of, huh. Uh, because we see a flash of blue behind your teeth. Uh, Oka, can you talk what? again? Yes. Uh, can you what? open your mouth? O- open, open your mouth. Bleh. And Oka, your tongue is dark blue. They can't see their own tongue. I think. No, I just tried. <laughs> so uh, you see it. Your um, your tongue is blue. My. What? Mm-hmm. Why? What? And they do the thing where they try to look at their own tongue. Uh, they can't. Uh, what? What? Is that normal? Is that that? Why? Vasca, uh, Vasca speaks up uh, and says, "It's well. I mean, this is uncharted territory, so I frankly don't really know what's normal here. My guess, now that your soul is completely." hole with no cracks to speak of and Vinash is in there as well but not a part of you don't worry the procedure was a success my guess my theory is that you're now becoming more and more Telian like so don't be surprised if you start to have Telian like cravings and urges what like for vegetables and peace uh, Dr. Lucio says, yes, uh, you might become vegetarian, like meat repulse soon. And uh, d- don't be surprised, Vasco was mentioning this, uh, if you start becoming conflict or violence averse. Violence averse? Violence averse? I didn't, if I, if I knew I would be violence averse, I would have. Okay, Vinash well, is still obviously... there. <laughs> that's obviously not, that, uh, that's... Thank you. I feel... They try to look at their tongue again, but I I feel better. I think. I don't really feel super different. Uh, that's okay. Vasco was telling us about how it's a gradual process. Uh, it's not going to be some sudden revelation and now everything that you didn't realize was weighing you down is now gone. It might take weeks, if not months, to sort of settle into the rhythm of. Your body might undergo some other kinds of changes. Uh, the blue tongue, okay, that was unexpected. I don't know if you'll start to grow scales or a, a snake tail or antlers, um, but we should be on the lookout for those changes. <laughs> Did you say snake tail? Vasca says, uh, yes, many Tilin have snake tails. Oka stands up. They kind of subtly, not very subtly at all, kind of pat their butt. No tail. Okay. I'm going to go upstairs and pretend that I am not part of the monster that killed me and that I killed also. So, Lolly, can I help you up the stairs? I actually um, wanted to ask Vasca something, if there's a minute. Uh, y- yes, why don't uh, we leave the two of you alone? And, uh, okay, let's show everyone your blue tongue. 
Do we have to show everyone? No, 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 no. I was just yes. trying to find a way out of this conversation. Um, Please come with me up the stairs. Now? Yep. And Oka, yeah, you go along with Dr. Luso up the stairs, and uh, Sitlali, you hear the door clunk shut behind the two mm -hmm. of them. Sitlali just kind of, like, sits down casually and looks exhausted and just kind of... So, I'm not a paragon, right? I am accepting this about myself. Um, but I did house an emissary of one for a hot minute. And I made it a lot of promises and then it got taken out of me very abruptly. Are there holes? Is my soul, is my soul shattered? Would you like me to take a look? Yeah. Vasca steps toward the table and sort of like cranks a cinch or something and it comes down a little bit. Uh, gestures for you to get on it. And Vasca sort begrudgingly. of- begrudgingly. Yes. I know, this is quite an undignified position for someone to be in. But it helps me access the soul better. And Vasca sort of like runs a hand through their like snowy white hair. They slick it back again. <sighs> and they settle over you. They look like down over you and they say, again, don't struggle. Just relax and try to breathe. They move their hands over your chest and they begin to like pull your soul up and out through the pores of your torso. So sit lolly, why don't you tell me, what is the color of your soul? You know, questions that you're always prepared to answer at the table. Um, I think it's like that pink accent in their hair. I think it's that primarily, I assume, if there's only one color. You see this like pinkish glow sort of shimmer up into the air above your torso. And Vasca sort of hmm, tilts their head to the side and they sort of like gently swirl it around with a lot less force than they did with Oka's, I think. They like swirl it around. And they sort of pull it up and out so they can like see like deeper into it, kind of like a hologram almost. And they're like going through the hologram, like a Tony Stark moment. They sort of pull through the different threads and beads of light in your soul until it's sort of like glimmering like a mini miniature constellation above both of your heads and a dome around you. And Vasca says, yes, I see traces of a presence here. Something that left indelible marks on the interior of your soul. This emissary, did it give itself a name? Did it call itself anything? It called itself Lonely. Emissary of the Raven Queen. Lonely. That sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a really? sorrow sword. And they sort of like, sort of like pull their hands closer and like pull the hologram back into a denser ball over your chest. Do you know what sorrow sorn are, Sitlali? Yes, I paid quite a lot of attention in school. Then you should know that housing one inside your soul will, of course, take quite a toll on you, spiritually speaking. So how bad? It ripped you up pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. I can try to help, but a lot of the recovery here will depend on you. Great. The good news is the crack is not as severe as Oka's. Your soul wasn't shattered by Lonely. Lonely just tore it up a little, but all of it is still there. It's just hurt. I suppose that'll be good enough. And they get up. Oh, careful. And they like sink your soul like back into you. Um, here, these might help. And Vasca reaches into like the folds of their robes and they pull out like a, like a little satchel, like a little handful of like herbs. You have a tea maker in your party, no? 
We do. Uh, give these to them. It's a loose leaf. They should know how to steep it and brew it. Oh, okay. How many times a day, doctor? Uh, twice a day until they're gone. Okay. Cool. They should help. I'm sorry. I know that the answer I'm giving you is not as clear cut as, oh, I'll just do some acupuncture and fix you. Um, Honestly, I thought that there was going to be a giant hole inside of me, so this is better. <laughs> Don't worry. All of your soul is still there. It's still yours. It still belongs to you. That's very good news. It's just Until in I decide to give it away again. <laughs> this isn't my place. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, and you can take it or leave it. But your soul and you are worth something. You don't have to treat yourself like an expendable resource. You're right. It's not your place to say. And I head towards the stairs. Twice a day. We'll see. And as we like push up the stairs with Sitlali, we see this uh, crackling fire in the heart of the hearth. And we see pillows and blankets and little mats all strewn about. Rev has come back indoors with V and I think has like insisted that V and her huddle up like right next to the fireplace with like a big mug of tea in the bespoke tea mugs that Gentle has procured. Places like her feathered cape around V, right? And is like giggling. As well. Not giggling. Rev doesn't giggle. She chuckles in a very masculine way. Uh, chuckling in a very sexy masculine way and like pulling V close <laughs> with one with one arm around V's shoulder, etc. We also see Squeak sort of just like with uh, Costas and Vosca and just sort of like squeaking along and like, like talking to the two of them in like one corner about stuff. Uh, and I think Dr. Luso is also up there and is sort of like uh, bustling from the dining room into the kitchen to help like bus dishes and like clean, clean stuff up. And I think that we find like a kind of like moment of quiet here in the cottage as like evening winds down into like midnight or like the early hours of the morning and the warmth of the fire suffuses every nook and cranny in this space. Uh, so I guess I kind of want to just like go down the line and see what each person's up to. Uh, like a quick baby vignette to sort of like tie up, tie up the session. Uh, so let's actually start with Gentle. I had a feeling. Um, actually, I think for my vignette, I'm probably maybe near Jaron talking about like how the cold weather reminds us of Morose, maybe reminiscing a little bit about home. Jaron just like has a mug of probably one of Gentle's brews um, that he's sipping on as they're talking, and they are just kind of like swapping stories about like probably of like their childhood and days from before the cataclysm and maybe even talking a little bit about like what would it be like to go back to Moreau's now because we haven't been back in quite some time I absolutely plan on going back with Bud I mean he's got to see his home too can't wait honestly speaking of which I think we now like pan fully over to Jaron as maybe you're like sort of reminiscing with Gentle where do we find you for the rest of the night Jaron is kind of like going back and forth between like sitting down and like talking to gentle but then also with his other like free hand is always kind of like searching for oka so like occasionally he'll just kind of like move his hand to like hold on to okas and like make contact again or to just like rub their hand like along their back or something like that just as a gesture of like connection physically to remind themselves that they are here together again for the first time in a very very long time and i think Oka 
you know, they'd come up and uh, everyone saw their blue tongue and they were like kind of like, I think talking with Mercy for a while, you know? I think maybe the second or third time that Jaron like reaches out to touch them again, they kind of like look over their shoulder and then just without without even breaking conversation with whoever they were talking to, they just kind of lay their head down on like on Jaron's lap and just kind of like settle settle in like that so that they're always touching. Cute. And is that where we find you for the rest of the night as well, Oka? Yeah, I think so. Just chat, you know, quiet chatting around the fire and I think they're just kind of like playing with the now empty chisel like they have it like tipped on its sharp point and they're just kind of like rocking it back and forth almost like a habit that they can't quite let go of they haven't like taken it off yet speaking of like talking with Mercy right Mercy sort of conversing in sort of like boisterous tones with you Oka as you lay your head on Jerron's lap which she really teases the two of you about relentlessly um, she sort of laughs and turns to look at Sitlali Sitlali is curled up against Mercy in the same way, so like, you know, pot meat kettle. I think they're just writing in their big fat journal that they don't let anybody look at. And I think we're going to pan over down to Dewey. Where do we find you? I think Dewey is hunched over one of his notebooks, working on his jar plan again, uh, with a fervor you haven't seen in a long time. Out of like, being excited for this plan, um, having support, and also out of trying to keep his mind off of other things, um, namely the letter, which is sitting out of his reach. Mm-hmm. I think as we like pan just out of your reach to the letter, we like pan up to see and to find uh, a biku. Uh, a biku is standing near a window, clearly talking to a bird. Oh my god! Just, like, okay, having a full conversation with like a bird like holding a cup of tea like as of catching up with a friend oh my god okay and i think we like see through the reflection of the frosted window that this i think it's like a little crow and it's sort of like Mm -hmm. right like like talking with you updating you about all the Mm -hmm. goings on at the chasm Mm -hmm. we see in the reflection the fire again uh, and we like sort of like f- zoom in on the reflection and we see the fire in its like actual form. And we see Rev's face sort of lit up warmly by the licking flames. And next to her, V. Uh, so V, how are you spending the rest of your night here? Oh, I think V and Rev are pretty cuddled up. And I think V is being uh, particularly gr- more girly than probably you normally see. Not quite as bad as the wedding day, but still pretty bad. But uh, at one point... V and Oka's eyes meet and V gets an idea and she quickly reaches down to one of the pouches on her on her waist and she pulls out uh it's another little sack that is adorned with all of the markings from the bedding parlor at the slumbering palace and she tosses it over to Oka and she says, hey catch and uh inside is 25 gold pieces what's this well I, you don't give gold away what are you doing two things I ran a scam for a long time as McCoya, and I made a bit of money from it at the time, and I felt like you deserved it. And number two, this is my apology for things when I uh, was kind of a jerk to you in the Court of Ravens, where I uh, transformed into uh, into McCoya's image. I called you a ghost, and I've realized that it wasn't that I was with a ghost in the Court of Ravens, it's that McCoya was the ghost so that an Oka could live. 
And I just wanted to give you this as a token of being sorry for what I did then. And uh, you've been there for me a lot since we met. And I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate you. So she does have a conscience. Thanks. Only when I'm in love. (laughs) Be like nestled back in the rev. And Oka pockets 25 gold pieces, I suppose. And I think, like, on all of you just sort of, like, settled in on this, like, big cuddle pile and whatnot, Dr. Lusso bustling to and fro, like, dropping in on your conversations occasionally, helping you all out. I think with, like, a hand lingering on Oka's shoulder, right, occasionally, and going over, saying hello to the bird and Abiku, uh, we sort of, like, pull out of out of this frosted window uh, within which we see this, like, warm glow of merriment and camaraderie. And for now, and for now, no more conflict. Uh, we pull out of this cottage... We see the chicken pens with like a, a thin blanket of snow covering the hutch. Uh, we see the barn with also like some snow on, on the roofing and the tiling. We pull out, we see the training dummies now rhymed over with some frost. We pull out past the archway, past the copses of Badlands trees, past the thick line, that dark tenebrous wound in the earth, which is a Euclid chasm. We see snow just wipe away the scene and carry us into white. And the end of our Arc 4 interlude potluck episode. So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. What a monster of an episode. And Austin's introduction of a Biku Ishtar. What? Thank you all so much. Love you. And Spizo Bizo. This episode of The Second Stranger was edited by Connie Chong. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.